Here we go, guys. It is BK coming at you yet another week in a row from glorious San Diego. Please follow me on social media. Check out that Instagram at BK Actual and follow me on Twitter for breaking news throughout the week. At Bravo Kilo Actual, one very uh, important and somber note that I have to do before we get started is, unfortunately, this will be the last episode of World News with BK. Yeah, that's right. I had some... Uh, Issues come up with some legal sort of ramifications, and uh, for the good of my case, I'm just going to have to cease and desist all um, podcasting material, but it's been a hell of a run. I mean, what, six and a half years? I'm pretty devastated about it. I'm not sure what the future holds, um, but I'll still be active on social media. Oh, come on, you guys. You're too easy. Of course it is April 1st, 2023 on Saturday. I couldn't resist. April Fool's Day. Are you kidding me? Like, I, I could not, for the good of my mental health, I couldn't let the podcast go, as well as all you guys contributing to the podcast, contributing to Patreon, and depending on me to get the word out, to have a platform for all the veterans out there and to get your finest in world news. I would, of course, never let the podcast go unless it was something deeply serious. Y'all are too easy. It's too easy because I know a lot of you are yelling at the radio right now. That's okay. Let's go ahead and get into it. Forgive me my little fun and start in Pakistan where the Pakistani army saying terrorists, their words, operating from Iran, have killed four of their border patrol troops in the southwestern province of Balakistan. And they are now talking the Iranian counterparts to prevent such incidents in the future. Uh, no group has yet claimed responsibility for the attack. As I told you guys last week, we know that the uh, we have the Quds Force, which, an which is an offshoot of that Iranian... Um, Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps that operates and their specific mission is to go all over the place and kind of cause mayhem. So that would be the finger pointed at them first, I would imagine. They do have separatists in Balakistan that have been fighting the government there for decades. This particular province has a very long border. It's ill-manned. It's the perfect spot if you want to have an incursion and, and have some mayhem take place. Now, reports are saying that the insurgents had taken the weapons of the four dead soldiers and the army statement did put out photos of the four deceased which were ranked a corporal lance corporal and two privates so you know pretty low ranking guys as you can imagine four border guys stuck out in the sticks would be as a matter of fact this isn't the uh, first time recently something went down in this region last month nine pakistani security officers were killed and at least 13 were wounded in a suicide attack in that same region really that's all we know at this time so i will keep an eye on it and let's go to another border and talk about the u.s canadian border again last week went into that extensively but the bodies of eight migrants were found in a river in the saint lawrence river to be specific along that u.s canadian border and the authorities are now searching for more bodies they're doing the full body drag and the whole thing because, as you know, if you've been listening, the migrant increase has ticked up there significantly. And sadly, among the bodies of the eight people, at least one of them was a young child. Uh, what else about this? The uh, indigenous populations are also going to work on this river. The Mohawk Council, the local indigenous territory in Quebec, 
where the episode occurred. They are sending their uh, divers and law enforcement as well. So apparently there were kind of heavy winds on Wednesday night along this river when it was believed the migrants tried to cross, and they think, yeah, that likely played a role in their deaths. An abandoned boat was discovered near where the bodies were found that belonged to a resident of that indigenous reserve. And that boat belonged to Casey Oaks, 30 years old. The authorities are searching for Mr. Oaks. It's unclear if he had any connection to the deaths or if he was paid off to smuggle them in or what. So as far as the migrants, some of them at least were members of two families one a Romanian family, and the other Indian nationals. Now, the police did find a Canadian passport belonging to a missing child who was traveling with the Romanian family. Hmm. Interesting. You guys know that Canada and the U.S. have both been grappling with finding ways to curb that surge of migrants seeking asylum to both countries. And uh, as you recall, Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Blackface Trudeau, after trumpeting for the entire world to enter, saying, we're not like those people down south and pointing to us when the orange man was in office. Well, all of them showed up then because they took him at his word and he's like, everybody's welcome. So they started coming in. And uh, now just after a few dozen thousand migrants showing up at the border, Trudeau is cracking down as well. Uh, so... What else about this? Since January, there had been incidents involving 80 people crossing through those indigenous Mohawk lands, most of them trying to reach, reach the United States, according to the uh, local Mohawk police chief. And there's also the people smugglers using the young people in the Mohawk territory because they're very familiar with that part of the world and the waterways and everything else, but perhaps not so much in this case. Anything else about this? No, let's keep going with deaths, though, and go to India. At least 35 people were killed in India when a temple's well cover collapsed. Yeah, they, they fell into a well. They were standing on top of the lid of the well, and it just broke free, and this was in a packed temple in the central Indian state of Madhya Pradesh. So rescue workers did pull 14 people from the well and were trying to help, help others who were trapped and injured. Uh, apparently this well is a stair-lined communal water source under the floor at the, oof, it's a mouthful, Sri Bilishwar Mahadev Juhulalal Temple in the city of Indore. And they're even trying to drain the water, pump out the water to help that rescue process. So this temple and many others around India were filled with devotees celebrating a Hindu festival called Ram Navami. That is the birthday of Lord Ram. Prime Minister Narendra Modi weighed in on Twitter saying he was extremely pained by the mishap. I'm looking, oh yeah, I'm looking at a picture of the well right now. They've got ladders and rope ladders going down there. They cleared the crowds from the scene, shouting at them over the temple's broadcast system. And the government has obviously opened an investigation, and they're saying that the families of those killed were would be compensated. Uh, along with the... Ram Navami Festival comes some violence. 
because uh, this year, well, Ram Navami is obviously a Hindu street festival, right? And when they do this, they have a lot of street processions of Hindus. Well, guess what? It fell on this year. This year it fell on during the Muslim holy month of Ramadan. And yes, as you can imagine, sectarian violence was reported this week in several places as the various Muslims and Hindus went at it with each other. It's crazy. Oh, man. You know, I thought the whole point of separating India, the Great Divide, when they created Pakistan, I thought the whole point was, okay, Muslims, you can go over there. Hindus, you can go over here. I, just, I don't I don't understand it. Like, if, it, if you're that upset by it, just fucking move. I mean, isn't that the logical thing to do? I don't know. Whatever. Let's keep going, though. Couple political stories, uh, overseas political stories. Let's start in Finland. First of all, it looks like Finland is going to join NATO. How about that? That's right. The Turkish parliament's cleared the final hurdle for Finland to join NATO. Um, and Prime Minister Sana Marin, more on her in a minute, thanked NATO member nations and said that her country would continue to support, support Sweden, who has also applied for membership. But Sweden also, much like Finland, has been held up by continuing opposition from Turkey. And in Sweden's case, there, uh, Hungary is also objecting. So Finland is going to hold national elections uh, tomorrow, Sunday. And that's supposed to be a tight race. The three parties, the three major parties they have there are essentially tied in recent polling. And uh, several of the party leaders did address NATO membership during a final televised debate this week. And is is there anybody objecting to it? Probably not. Hmm. Turkey was the last of NATO's 30 member nations to ratify Finland's membership bid. That official endorsement must now be delivered to the United States government, which under NATO's founding treaty is responsible for safeguarding the documents. And we, of course, are pushing for those states to join NATO. So it should be just a formality at this point. Now, I mentioned the uh, prime minister over there. She's uh, kind of not so popular this day, these days, and it's uh, it's unusual because she was like the rock star. Now, if you don't know who this chick is, I remember covering her. She's young and she's quite attractive, and uh, you know, there's not too many female heads of state to begin with, much less one who is kind of young and hot. And the lib media loved this chick. Uh, she is now, as I said, in danger of losing because there's a lot of um, opposition against her, especially from the right-wing populist Finns party. That party opposes immigration. That's the big thing. And they are fiercely critical of the European Union. So she remains, though, popular. She's been in office three and a half years. And, um, you know, the, the, the funny thing is she... Only one month before Russia invaded fin- uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, she promised that Finland would never join NATO on her watch. Well, that was a quite an about face. Most Finns now, according to polls, are focused on stuff like inflation and ri- rising public debt. So she uh, she is at risk of losing her job on those elections on Sunday. 
And the main criticism of Santa Marin is her economic policy, and they think she's quite profligate with her spending. Profligate is a great word. That's, uh, that's just out of the steel trap mine. That's not in the story ahead of me because, frankly, 99% of journalists wouldn't know that word at all. Now, she is more popular than her party. Uh, Finland is currently at around 75% employment, and they call that high employment over there. Isn't that weird? Like, when employment drops to, like, 90% in the U.S., it's, like, devastating for the president. That's considered huge unemployment in our country. So the, the, this article I'm reading says apparently in Finland, 75% is quite high employment. Well, I imagine a lot of them are getting those socialist government checks. Uh, anything else about this? Yeah, she's 37. She's big on defending Ukraine. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, you guys remember this. She was the one who was caught on a private videos, like partying with her friends, and everybody was speculating that maybe she did a little of the old booger sugar, if you know what I'm saying. She denied it, but she was acting like quite manic in those videos like a couple, couple months back. Yeah. She is uh, quite attractive, I will say that. So if you happen to lose Ms. Marin... You can go ahead and uh, slide in the old DMs for BK. How about that one? What else uh, about this? Uh, there's they name a couple of the opposition parties. The other there's a there's a couple other people running. The other the other person running is uh, a guy named Pateri Orpo, and the other person, the chairperson of the Finns party, that far right populist party, that is a female named Rika Pura. And that are the, those are the three people running. Anything else? I know, guys. It's not the most exciting stuff in the world. Again, for the second week in a row. Just not very sexy news. But one more here worth noting as far as election coverage overseas. The pro-independence Scottish National Party on Monday elected the country's health secretary as their top official and that would be, get ready for this classical Scots name, Humza Yusuf. That's right. He's 37, and this is notable because he is now on track to become the first Muslim to lead a democratic Western European nation. And this follows that surprise resignation last month of Nicola Sturgeon. You guys remember her. She was like huge in Scottish politics for almost a decade. She was um, the country's first minister and leader of the Scottish National Party. So in choosing Yusuf, members of his party opted for the candidate thought most likely to stick with Sturgeon's progressive agenda. They rejected a more socially conservative contender named Kate Forbes. Now, Yusuf is big on the Scottish independence. He actually said, quote, we will be the generation that delivers independence for Scotland, end quote. Didn't they have, like, this isn't around either, but I'm remember they had that big uh, vote election like some years back for Scotland to become an independent country, and it lost pretty handily. So it's funny to me that the country's biggest party is so pro-independence when it's already been rejected and, and fairly recently in history. Uh, what else here? Uh, maybe it goes into this more in the article. Uh, you know, Sturgeon, she got caught up in the whole gender wars. I got a lot of stuff on gender, so I don't want to blow my load, as, we, as they say. 
But yeah, she got caught up in that because Britain's government, remember, they rejected that legislation from Scotland's parliament that would have made it easier for people to change their gender. And Sturgeon took over the leadership after... Oh, here it is. Yeah, right here. Sturgeon took over the leadership after Scots voted by 55% to 45% against independence in a referendum in 2014. And they write, sentiment on the issue has not shifted significantly. So I just find that kind of a disconnect. The biggest party is so pro-independence, and yet the people rejected it seven years ago, and a 10-point margin is a pretty significant margin. So don't really know what's going on over there. Now you know more about Scottish political parties than 99.9% of the entire United States. One more world leader story, and this one's more amusing. Let's talk about the former prime minister of Lebanon. While he was in office, and I'm talking about Saad el-Din Rafiq al-Hariri, who, by the way, Forbes magazine reported is having a net worth of $1.7 billion in 2018, He's being accused of uh, sexual assault. That's right. A pair of flight attendants came forward and said they were repeatedly sexually assaulted by Saad. I'll just call him by his first name. Uh, while he was prime minister aboard his pl- private plane. And this includes wall and route to a state visit at the White House. This is according to a federal lawsuit. Um, and... They claim that he regularly groped the two women and forcibly raped one of them multiple times during flights when he was, quote, heavily medicated, end quote, and his cronies drank and did cocaine. Wow. They say the attacks frequently occurred on his Boeing 737. The women are identified only as Jane Doe 1 and 2. Jane Doe's boss, Helen Conlon, allegedly told her when she reported the assaults, quote, if you want to work in this company, you're going to have to learn to suck some dick, end quote. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's a, that, that's a quote. And by the way, they're being sued in the United States because this is at the Brooklyn Federal Court lawsuit. I'm not sure... Is this because the females are American or is it because the plane was landing in America? Not not sure here. He is now 52. He served as Lebanon's prime minister from 2009 to 2011. And then again from 2016 to 2020 before abruptly leaving politics behind in 2022. His father, Rafiq, also served two stints as the country's prime minister he was assassinated in 2005. Oh, this is the actually the third time the women have attempted to sue him in New York. Two previous lawsuits in state court were either dropped or dismissed by a judge. His lawyer told a Manhattan Supreme Court judge in August that the purported victims have, quote, engaged in years-long harassment of Mr. Hariri, with the goal of using false and inflammatory allegations in an effort to wrongfully extract millions of dollars. Now, it's not like he's some saint. He's a married father of three, but he had a mistress who was a bikini model 
in South Africa. And I think I vaguely remember this story. This is back in 2019. And it came out that um, Hariri, am I saying this? H-A-R-H-A, the R and the I's are so close together. H-A-R-I-R-I, right? Hariri. Yeah, that's right. We'll go with it. But yeah, in headlines in 2019, it was uh, it made uh, it, it emerged that he had allegedly made 16 million dollars U.S. in payments to that mistress, whose name is Candace Vandermeer, and she was later investigated for failing to pay tax on that money. Doesn't say here like what the result of that investigation was. Uh, some more. Um little details here during one alleged attack Hariri allegedly forcefully grabbed Jane Doe one's genitals and told her quote I like you I see you again very soon end quote hmm and the second accuser was first assaulted by him in September of 2007 when he flew to Washington DC for a state visit with then President George W Bush Wow. And then it goes in all the drugs and <laughs> the cocaine, everything else this is great. I believe every word of it, okay? I really do. All right, let's keep going. We got to go to Mexico and talk about this migrant fire that killed 38 people, dude. Yeah. This is wild. Um this is at a this is at a detention facility in Mexico for their Illegal immigrants. Uh, so, where was this? Oh, so this is the, the detention facility is actually right across the border from El Paso. So it's in Ciudad Juarez. And a fire broke out inside this detention facility. And let me see here. It killed at least 38 people and injured 28 others. 68 men from Central and South America were being detained at the facility according to the Mexican government. And it pretty much nailed all of them because if it killed 38 and injured 28, that's pretty much everybody in there. So I have a, I have two tabs on it, but I'll see what the latest is on the update here. Do they have anything in this original article? Uh, Ciudad Juarez has been strained by the constant flow of arrivals. Oh, poor, poor you. This is why Mexico, this is why you turn them back at your Southern border. This is not hard. It's it's so not hard. Just like the United States, once you let them into the country, and I'm assuming Mexico's immigration laws are far more draconian than our own, but once you let them physically into the country, then you have all kinds of headaches to deal with. In our case, you have to give them a asylum hearing. That could take years. Then in the meanwhile, they're cut loose. I've gone over it 100 times. And this is all because you can't physically keep them out, which would be by far the easiest thing to do. Because once they're here, they have lawyers, they're going to get all kinds of benefits, they're going to be taken care of at your local hospital, straining resources, and they're not paying for it. So I'm just saying, it's just so much easier. And Mexico should know. Mexico's had decades to look at our pathetic immigration system. And kind of figure it out. That's what blows my mind. Like, dude, you didn't see this coming? The number of migrants in Ciudad Juarez swelled to 12,000. Oh, wow. But that does way outstrip the city's shelter capacity. 
Uh, let's see here. What else about this? Yeah, you guys have been following. You've probably seen some of these videos on social media because these migrants are getting more and more bold at the U.S. I mentioned on March 12th, those hundreds of people who rushed the border and gathered at the bridge that connects Ciudad Juarez with El Paso uh, because they heard shit on social media like, oh, yeah, Sleepy Joe's letting everybody in. Oh, here you go. Here's what they did to the bridge. The migrants begged to cross but were turned back by local law enforcement. Yeah, that's it. That's all you have to do. In a video recorded by La Verdad, which means the truth, a woman carrying a small child on her shoulder shouted, quote, We just want to pass, Holmes! Please help us! Enough is enough! We are tired of being here in Juarez! Migration does not leave us alone. It takes away what little we have. Help us, essay. End quote. Well, go home then! <laughs> She's so entitled. After she recorded that, actually, the mayor announced the city would be taking a stronger stance on migrants. Several news outlets said the Mexican authorities have been rounding up the migrants in the city who were begging or selling merchandise on the street. Yeah, the migrants killed in the fire were mainly from Central America and Venezuela. Some of them were also from Guatemala. All right. And they have made, let me open up my other tab because there is an update on this story. They have made uh, arrests. Five have been arrested. And who knows if they actually did it. But the uh, arrests are for these five people in their role at that Ciudad Juarez Migration Detention Center. The authorities did not name the suspects who had been apprehended, but said arrest warrants had been obtained for three government migration officials, two private security workers, and a migrant accused of starting the blaze. The sixth person charge has not yet been taken into custody. So they're investigating this fire as a homicide case, and they're blaming the government officials and the security guards for failing to allow the migrants to escape. They did not disclose the charges, uh, the specific charges. But the thing is, this fire broke out from the illegal immigrants. A group of detained migrants set mattresses on fire because they feared they were going to be deported. So they fucking burned the whole place down and killed everyone. <laughs> I mean, just so, so instead of just going home, you're dead now. Several migrants told in officials in interviews that they had not been given water while they were being held. And uh, there is a video um, I'm looking at right now on the New York Times website, the security camera. It appears to show that when the fire started, uniformed people at the detention center walked away and left several men behind bars as smoke filled the area where they were being held. So besides the 39 deaths, 27 people remain hospitalized. You know what? This is all because you made a bad decision. People have got to start being held accountable for their decision. Did you see the other videos going around on social media of like the the uh, the women throwing their children into the river, the Rio Grande? Yeah, they just, they just wanted to, like, isn't that like child abuse? Wouldn't anybody else be arrested for child abuse for that? But when it comes to migrants, everybody's like, oh, look how much they care. It's like, that's not... <laughs> Does it matter? You can't throw your kid into a river. And I had to play this audio clip. One of my favorite punching bags. Dumbo, hapless, bumbling, uh, purveyor of misinformation, John Kirby. He was talking. He was asked about this fire. And you're not going to believe it. His answer is just so par for the course for this administration. Let's listen to stupid this John Kirby. Underscores, this event underscores why... 
President Biden is working so hard on trying to open up more legal pathways uh, for people to come into the United States and to do it in a way that's safe and secure. And that's basically a foundational element of the migration immigration policy that the president has been trying to uh, to pursue. And yeah, see, he's he's basically saying, yeah, you know, none of this none of this should happen because what we're going to do is just let everybody in. That's what he's saying. Well, I'm not being hyperbolic there. That's what the man just said. All right, I'm worked up now. Let's go to something a little bit more uh, amusing. What's one of Uncle BK's primary rules, you guys? Some of my top advice to you. I'll give you a hint. It's sexual in nature. It is the threesome always ends badly. That you can take it to the bank, and I have another example for you. And let's go to Turkey where a Turkish man and his German girlfriend have been sentenced to lengthy jail terms after being found guilty of killing another man by cutting off his penis during a sex orgy. (laughs) Oh, no. During the trial, jurors heard how Elvin Kukalton and his partner of three years, Nadja Angela Grosser, invited a... It is a guy. Yeah, it invited a guy named Kadir Demir to their home in Turkey on January 28th of last year for a threesome. So they were going to fucking spit roaster, dude. It wasn't the good threesome, you know, a dude and two chicks. It's the devil's threesome. A woman and two guys. Now, they had previously, the couple, engaged in similar sexual encounters in July of 2021, according to a video of which was found on the victim's phone. So this this was a regular. This was a regular spit roasting. So this time they boozed up and they went on to have sex. Now the prosecution claimed Mr. Kukukalton, Kukukalton, K-U-C-U-K-A-L-T-U-N, that's how I'm, that's what I'm going to pronounce it. Cuckoo Carlton. He suddenly became aggressive towards his German girlfriend during the sex, and that prompted the Good Samaritan, Mister Demir, to take a pause from beating those cheeks to intervene on her behalf. So the men started arguing, and that quickly escalated into a knife fight. When Cuckoo Carlton first stabbed his friend in the chest, where did he, like all right, my all right, my first question. So you guys are fucking sitting there. You're spit roasting the chick. You're doing the Eiffel Tower. You're doing the whole thing. The orgy's happening. Do you have a knife within grabbing distance? Is that like common for you guys? I'm just saying like, when did the knife come? Where did the knife come from? So he was found, Demir, to have found to have 54 stab wounds in total. I'm looking at his picture right now. It's a nice looking guy. A little bit of a receding airline, but uh, good looking dude. So... At, and then after telling his girlfriend to get out of the house, uh, Cuckoo Carlton attempted to bury the body in a nearby park, but he was caught by the local police. That was genius. Yeah. So, pretty bad, man. And then, and then yes, sometime in the uh, aftermath, he, Cuckoo Carlton, decided to, yes, sever his penis. Yeah, the prosecutor said, uh, uh, yeah, the, 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 he, the prosecutor said, quote, the limits of hate and animosity were exceeded. The victim's sexual organ was cut off and a celebration was made by drinking wine, end quote. 
Oh, so they cut it off, and then they had a glass of red. So the woman, grocer, she got a 15-year jail sentence. He, Cougar Calden, he got life. This is great. For, quote, intentional killing with monstrous emotion, end quote. Very good. I'm telling you guys, you're not going to listen to me. I know you're not because you're going to be all worked up. Your buddy's hot girlfriend. He says, hey, you want to bang my girlfriend? And you're like all about it. And then it all goes south. I know in the time and, and in the time you're going to briefly have a flicker in the back of your brain going, hmm, I don't know. BK told me this always ends badly, but you know what? I'm checking her out. You know, she's got a little T. She's got a little A. He's fine with it. And he's like, I can wail away on this. So, yeah, I'm going to do it. BK doesn't know anything. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And then, boom, next thing you know, you have 54 stab wounds in your body. Your dick is cut off. So, don't do it. Just saying. Let us turn to the orange man. That's right. It's happening. Chaos. Chaos in the streets. (laughs) Trump is likely to be arraigned on Tuesday. They did unseal the indictment. How about that? Donald Trump prepared yesterday, Friday, to surrender to prosecutors in Manhattan next week as New York police braced for protests. I don't know. Like I said uh, the other week when this was floated, if you're going to go protest in New York City, you better be on your best goddamn behavior because that prosecutor obviously would love nothing more to throw you in prison. Now, they'll ignore all the people, you know, masturbating in public, defecating in public, breaking windows, stealing cars, assaulting people. They ignore all that, but they will they will throw the friggin' book at you. But yeah, a day after a grand jury indicted Trump and made him the first former president to face criminal charges, they're putting up barricades, and this is at the criminal courthouse in Lower Manhattan. And Trump is, yes, expected to come. He's expected to show up. Now, Ron DeSantis, he put out a statement saying he's not going to cooperate with any extradition. So if Trump did not want to come, Ron DeSantis was not going to um, help the NYPD or anybody else get him. But but Trump is going to cooperate. He already said he would. So, And Trump is going to bring his Secret Service protection. And Trump said he intends to travel to New York on Monday and stay the night at Trump Tower. He has no plans to hold a news conference or address the public while he was in New York. I don't believe that for a second. I think Trump is going to walk out of there after being booked and he's going to sit in front of the microphones and he's going to go on a rant about the fake news media and probably throw a few stolen elections in there and (laughs) all the, the, the usual. So he hasn't talked much. He's been active on Truth Social, his social media network, uh, basically saying this witch hunt, it's all rigged, fake prosecutor, blah, blah, blah. And uh, let me see here. He is planning, so far, as far as we know, he is planning to plead not guilty. One of his lawyers said in a television interview that the former president is fully prepared to go to trial. Oh, here we go. Late on Friday afternoon, Trump burst out on Truth Social, writing in all capital letters that Democrats were, quote, indicting a totally innocent man in an act of obstruction and blatant election interference. While our country is going to hell, end quote. Of course, this is all related to the payments made just before the 2016 presidential election to buy the silence of porn star Stormy Daniels, who said she had an extramarital affair with him. Trump has denied the affair, but he has been charged with more than two dozen counts in a sealed indictment. We still don't know the exact charges. 
I've heard stuff from, I've heard falsifying business records. Because again, I'll keep asking, what, what, what is the crime of paying some whore to keep her mouth shut about your banging? I don't like, is, why is that even a crime? Should that be a crime? It should be a crime. Uh, so yeah, this could drag on for months, this case. And uh, of course, Trump is ostensibly running for president. So this could have huge ramifications. And a lot of people are saying, yeah, this is political persecution. You have somebody trying to get rid of their political opponent. And uh, yeah, as I said, this has already been this case, this uh, campaign finance case, whatever you want to call it, the Stormy Daniels thing. It, it, the feds did take a look at it. And I have some more on this in a minute. They, they decided not to take action. The state government took a look at it, and they decided not to take action. Um, so anything else quickly about the background here? Yeah, here's DeSantis. He posted on Twitter that the indictment was, quote, un-American, end quote, and amounted to, quote, the weaponization of the legal system, end quote. But a lot in the GOP remained silent, among them Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, the minority leader, and Senator John Thune, who is the second-ranking Senate Republican. Remember, Stormy Daniels was paid $130,000 to not speak publicly about her claims, and the payments were channeled through Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, who has said Mr. Trump approved the scheme. So they're speculating that this case is likely to hinge on the way Trump and the Trump Organization handled reimbursing Cohen. Internal Trump Organization records falsely classified the reimbursements as legal expenses, According to Cohen, which helped conceal the purpose of the payments, Trump's lawyers are denying this. So in New York, falsifying business records can be a felony if it is done to cover up another crime. And in this case, prosecutors are expected to argue that the underlying crime was a violation of campaign finance law. That's why this is such a big reach. But again, we don't know the exact charges and we won't until Tuesday when Trump is brought before the judge who is a justice named Juan M. Merchant, a New York County jurist with 16 years on the bench. He's the guy who's been assigned to handle this. And remember, Trump is also under investigation in Georgia. Prosecutors in Fulton County are expected to make a decision soon on whether to seek an indictment against him and his allies over their efforts to interfere in the 2020 presidential election. Now, Trump famously made a phone call to the state secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger, urging him to, quote, find 11,780 votes, end quote, which would have given him a victory in the state. Hmm. And in Washington, the Justice Department special counsel is leading two separate investigations into Trump's broader actions uh, to keep power after the 2020 defeat and to his hoarding of documents marked as classified after seeking office. And of course, this is Manhattan. So if Trump goes to a jury, they're going to convict him because they all hate his guts. Uh, and this goes on and on. Uh, oh, here we go. Here's another little part. Why was Trump indicted by the Manhattan DA over this, but not by the Justice Department? Now, the well, we don't know because the prosecutors and Justice Department have never said publicly why Trump was not charged. Well, that's well. why not? We, the public, have a right to know this stuff. There's way too much deference to the federal government among the media. They just say that. We're like, yeah, we're not going to talk about it. Well, fucking go find them. Figure it out, dude. 
My tax money pays your salary. I get to know why. I get to know everything. But the problem, what the speculation is that the feds don't really look at Michael Cohen as a credible witness. Uh, so the Southern District back in 2018, that's the federal government, they, they brought charges against Cohen for paying that $130,000 in hush money. And during that investigation, the federal prosecutors did conclude that Trump had directed Cohen to pay off Daniels to keep her quiet, right? And the Southern District prosecutors accused Cohen of violating federal campaign finance laws, but then they declined to file charges against Trump. Now, why is that? Why is that? Huh, very weird. Anyway, it's fascinating. I love you guys know me. I love the chaos. Um, I'm, I think it's fantastic. That'd be, you know. And this, the other thing is too. Now the uh, all the fucking resistance pundits on cable news are urging, you know, don't release that mugshot. Whatever you do, yes, and, and it will be released. And there was a lot of speculation online. Well, should he look all angry or should he smile? And I'm like, obviously you smile. You want it to make never let him see you sweat, dude. Oldest fucking maxim in the book. Right there. So yeah, he should take a big-ass shit-eating grin right from the fact. Now let's talk about Alvin Bragg, the DA. I got into him a little bit last week, and I'm proud to say on Twitter I single-handedly led the charge to correct the fake NBC News journalist, in big quotes, Ben Collins, who uh, my, uh, my ridiculing of him actually ended up with Twitter community notes correcting his false assertion that Alvin Bragg never had anything to do with, yes, we're going to talk about him, George Soros. And these journalists act like just because fucking Alvin Bragg like didn't stand in the middle of Times Square and trumpet uh, his support and uh, shake hands with the guy that he had nothing to do with him. And the other thing, too, is that invoking George Soros is somehow turned into anti-Semitism because he is a uh, Hungarian-American Jewish man. But the facts are, as I've gone over in the past, this man contributes hundreds of millions of dollars to these social justice organizations, and yet he's written op-eds about it. And he believes in these woke DAs like George Gascon in Los Angeles, like other woke DAs, like the guy in uh, fucking uh, Philly, who has as their see their mission as to not crack down on criminals and to not put anybody in jail. They really do. They think this is like progressive prosecution. And in Alvin Bragg's case, he's dropped more he's downgraded more than half of the felonies to come to his office to misdemeanors. That's a fact. He's dropped more he's dropped outright half the DUI cases that came to him. Because these people think it's social justice to not put anybody in prison. I'm telling you. So now they're trying to claim that George Soros did not contribute to Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's political campaign, right? And this is its disingenuous because, yes, you will not find a check from George Soros to Alvin Bragg, but what, here's how it went down, though. Soros is by far the largest donor to a political action committee called Color of Change, Right. Color of Change was Alvin Bragg's biggest campaign contributor. 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 So Color of Change in May 2021 pledged to spend $1 million to support Alvin Bragg's political campaign. Days after the endorsement, George Soros contributed $1 million to Color of Change political action committee. 
You see what I'm saying here? It's just, a, they're the bag man. So yeah, you can say like, well, he didn't have a check. It's so obvious. Our, our media, guys, honestly, it's shocking you to me. Like, I expect it from pundits and everything. But you'd think that these journalists, some of them, just a handful, would just be honest. And they're so dishonest. These guys don't even work, dude. I look at their articles. Like right now, guys, you're going you're gonna to get a laugh out of this. Go to NBC News. Type in Ben Collins, right? Or Ben Collins, or just Google Ben Collins NBC articles. And you'll see the guy writes like a 400 word story like once every six weeks. And somehow he's making six figures in a very prominent job. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Shit, when I've written for outlets before, I would write like one a week. It was like 2,000 words meticulously researched, lots of linking and backtracking so you could fact the text. And I was making like 100 bucks an article and I was happy to get it blows my mind and, and try it with some of the other NBC reporters as well. Oh, and by the way, the, the next largest individual donation to color of change that year, like I said, Soros contributed 1 million. The next largest was 50,000. So yeah, do the math. Uh, anything else about this? Um, you know, this has happened before. American politics, by the way, has a long history of candidates who are indicted or convicted of crimes, but sought office again. So this is not unusual for Trump to keep, you know, there's, there's only a couple rules to run for president and you don't have to be not in jail. And one of the most recent presidential candidates, I forgot all about this guy, to run while under indictment was Rick Perry, the former governor of Texas. He sought the Republican nomination for the 2016 presidential election. While a Travis County grand jury indicted Perry on two felonies in 2014, charging that he threatened to cut off funding to the office of a Democratic district attorney in an effort to pressure her to leave office. So uh, then we had uh, this one going way back in 1920, Eugene Debs, the Midwestern communist or socialist. He ran for president while actually locked up in a federal penitentiary in Atlanta. He had been convicted under the Federal Sedition Act for giving an anti-war speech a few months before Armistice Day, which is, of course, the end of World War I. He received 897,704 votes, which put him at a distant third behind eventual Republican winner Warren G. Harding. And then Harding ordered him released from prison. And then you have Lyndon LaRouche. He ran for president eight times starting in 1976. He was convicted in the late 1980s on federal conspiracy and mail fraud charges. He ran two campaigns from prison. You guys all know Marion Barry Jr., the colorful mayor, the colorful mayor of Washington, D.C. Yeah, that, that's an adjective you could use. He was convicted in 1990, of course, on smoking cocaine. That's right. Remember he was fucking smoking the crack pipe? And yet he won his fourth mayor's race in 1994 because Marion Barry was black and he looked out for black people in the city. And so they didn't really care that uh, he was caught on camera smoking crack. Uh, there's others, uh, Louisiana, the former governor, Edwin Edwards, he spent eight years in prison on corruption charges. He tried to run for Congress in 2014. Um, any, any more of these here? There's just, there's a whole fucking list of, you guys all remember Rod Blagojevich. Remember him in Illinois? He was the former governor of Illinois and he was released after serving eight years of a 14 year sentence after Trump as president granted him clemency. That's right. And uh, by the way, recently, 
There's a guy named Derek Evans. He's a former member of the West Virginia House of Delegates. He resigned his seat after filming himself entering the Capitol building on January 6, 2021. <laughs> Again, guys, stop filming yourself doing crime. I'm begging you. He later pleaded guilty to a civil disorder charge and was sentenced to three months in jail. Well, today he is running for Congress. His website notes that he is married and says that the 2020 election was stolen. <laughs> uh, it's too good. You guys know I, lo I love it. I root for chaos. I absolutely root for chaos. And then just quickly to close this out. Now, this is more alarming to me. Like I don't care what happens to Trump. This is more alarming. A Trump supporter has been convicted for a 2016 meme. This is unbelievable. This guy's name is Douglas, with two S's, Mackey, M-A-C-K-E-Y. He was known on Twitter as Ricky Vaughn, like the uh, Major League movie. So what happened was this guy uh, posted images to Twitter, memes, that resembled campaign ads for Hillary Clinton and falsely stated that people could vote simply by texting Hillary to a certain phone number. So on Friday, guess what? We're back in New York City. And what is the jury made up of? Far leftists, right? Well, they found him guilty of conspiring to deprive others of their right to vote. He faces a maximum of 10 fucking years in prison. This is unbelievable. And, and you know what the feds? They didn't find one single person who actually did not vote because they texted Hillary to the fake number. They didn't find So there was no victim. This, if this isn't political, what is? And you know what? There was another, and this is, a, there's another chick. There's a chick called Christina Wong, not my buddy on Twitter, Christina Wong, a different Asian, far left Asian activist. And she did literally the same thing. She took a photo of herself in a MAGA hat with a, uh, some sort of poster board background saying, hey, text this, avoid the line, Republicans, text 5555 to cast your vote for Trump. She did literally the exact same. She was never even arrested. Nothing. I'm telling you guys, you know, and this was, bu was bugging me all week about when they announced the Trump indictment. They're like, all these fucking ponderous buffoons, especially the politicians going, nobody's above the law, mister. And I'm like, that is such an antiquated, old-timey, nonsense phrase I wish was banished forever. Because how many stories, you guys, have I done where charges were downgraded, charges were dismissed out of hand, uh, people were let out of prisons having served only a couple years of a 20-year sentence. Uh, uh, one of you guys, a couple, a couple good examples, illegal immigrants, that's a crime. Nobody comes and gets them. So don't stop with the above law. Gavin Newsom refused to carry out. He's refused. He's put a moratorium on the death penalty here in California. That has been passed as a duly passed punishment in California by the legislature. It's a law, right? And as a matter of fact, in a couple elections ago, I told you this before, the people of California, I know you guys think we're a bunch of libs out here, but they had two choices on the ballot. There were two ballot propositions. One of them was get rid of the death penalty, yes or no. That, the uh, get rid of the death penalty people, they lost. People voted to keep the death penalty. The second one was a proposition to speed up the death penalty, and that one. So the people of California not only voted to keep the death penalty, they voted to speed it up. And Gavin Newsom, 
in defiance of the will of the people, decided, eh, I don't like that, so I'm not going to do it. So don't fucking tell me nobody's above the law. I'm sick of hearing that. Clearly, some people are above the law, and they have been for decades. It's idiotic, dude. Um, Yeah, but this Douglas Mackey guy, yeah, he posted memes. They were accompanied by the hashtag, I'm with her. Right? And, and it's a meme. And this is, if you're fucking too, too, if you're so stupid that you fall for that, that's on you. We have the First Amendment in this country, and that includes the right to post memes. This is, this is ridiculous to me. But yeah, the defense sought to have his case dismissed and saying, hey, memes are protected by the First Amendment. A judge denied that request. He said the case was about conspiracy and injury, except they didn't fucking call anybody to the stand that had been injured. Unreal, dude. Yeah, the defense attorneys just say, hey, this is online discourse, baby. This is the Thunderdome. And uh, prosecutors countered that the false voting images were part of an orchestrated effort to affect the election through deceit, adding that criminal activity cannot hide behind a First Amendment. Well, what's, what's the criminal activity? Posting a meme is criminal activity? One prosecutor said, quote, you can't use speech to trick people out of their sacred right to vote, end quote. Well, no, you can. You should be able to. Fucking idiotic. That, that, that's really alarming to me, honestly, far more so than the Trump thing. Because, man, the feds, they want to get you. They'll just drag your ass to New York, and that's where they'll try you. And a bunch of leftists will put you in prison because they don't like your politics. Okay, guys, let's keep going, though. What else? Uh, well, I guess we have to talk about it. Let's go to the Nashville school shooting. I know it's kind of old by now, but it was, and, and you guys have all seen uh, enough set. First of all, right off the bat, I want to say that police response was insane. I, I heard an interview. They said the time from the first 911 call to the shooter being killed was 11 minutes. That is unbelievable. And that includes the cops finding the school, getting out of the cars, getting the long guns out of the back, big ass building, two stories, and fucking ventilating that piece of vermin. 11 minutes, dude. And it was like five of them. I, I think that should be a training video for how it's done. That entire six-minute video, whatever it was. And yes, in comparison to the Uvalde police, it's if I was one of them, I, I would never be able to live that down. I mean, I'd rather I'd rather be known as the guy who tried than the guy who did nothing. Like if the if I knew a shooter, if I was in the hallway and I know shooters killing little kids, I would rather fucking go for it and die. Then stand there, and I, I would just, I would like to think that all of you would be the same. But just quickly review: it was the Covenant School, a Christian elementary school in Nashville, Tennessee. The shooter was identified as Audrey E. Hale, a 28-year-old former student of the school who had legally purchased seven firearms recently, including the three used in the shooting. Uh, she identifies as trans. Prefer, born a biological female, but living as a male with he, him pronouns. She was being treated. We don't know treated. Why? With just therapy or were there pharmaceuticals involved? Well, we don't know. Nobody's talking. Now, here's the interesting. The police stressed they believe the school and its church had been a target and not any single person. However, in the documents that they haven't released yet, there were also writings about other locations. So which one is it? You can't be like, well, she targeted this school because that's where she went. But they found other locations. 
So I don't know. Uh, Monday morning, 10.13 a.m. That's when the police re- received a report of the shooting. When it happens on the second floor. You guys all seen the surveillance footage by now. And um, yeah, pretty, pretty impressive. Okay, so I, I may have, let me see. The, the New York Times is saying the first report was at 10.13 a.m. And the shooter was killed, according to body cam footage, at 10.27 a.m. So that would be 14 minutes, not 11. Still remarkable, in my, uh, my opinion. It was uh, three children, three nine-year-old children were killed and three adults. So the three kids were all nine. All the adults were in their 60s. Fucking nut. What kind of female is able to point a gun at a nine-year-old girl and fucking blow them away? Disgusting. Fucking burning hell, dude. The shooter had a handwritten diagram of the school along with a drawing of how it could be entered. And the assailant, according to the chief, was, quote, prepared for a confrontation with law enforcement and prepared to do more harm, end quote. The police chief said the shooter's parents had felt that their child, quote, should not own weapons, end quote, and they believed that they did not. Uh, that The Hale, by the way, was living with her parents. So what the parents, they, you, you, your kid, your emotionally disturbed fucking nutcase kid has seven guns in, in your house and you don't know? Long guns are not the easiest thing to conceal. Like, and there's seven of them. <laughs> wow. Just fucking tragic. Um, now, the manifesto. We're all waiting for the manifesto. Um, at first, did you see all the LGBT activists didn't want it released? They were like, this could cause more violence than this. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck what it causes. I want to see that shit. It is set to be released to the public. Uh, apparently, once FBI profilers complete an analysis, they will release it. And there's no reason not to because the shooter's dead. There's not going to be a criminal case or anything in court. So there's absolutely no reason we have a right to see it. Uh, what else about this? I'm just looking at a few updates. Yeah, this, uh, uh, the FBI said, yes, it's just a matter of when. I mean, why do you need to, you know, analyze, you want to analyze her psych? I think we all know the psychology. just a demented person, probably on all kinds of fucking psychological medications. And it's, uh, tragedy, absolute tragedy, fucking disgusting. Uh, and then what? there was a few, before I get to the audio clips, which I have a few of, do you know new governor? Do you guys know who Katie Hobbs is? She's the new Arizona governor, big lib that they just voted in. Well, the, uh, the, the her press secretary has now resigned in disgrace. And, and this is how sick these people are. She resigned because she tweeted calling for gun violence against, quote, transphobes, end quote. Her name, this fucking goof, is Jocelyn Berry, and she did resign. Katie Hobbs confirmed the resignation in a statement. Fucking coward. You should be able to, you should stand up there and explain why you would hire somebody so gross. Yeah. So Jocelyn Berry... The tweet came less than 12 hours after Audrey Hale killed the three children and three adults. So it was after the shooting, when everybody knew about it. And Hobbs had worked for, I'm sorry, Barry had worked for Hobbs since January. Apparently, this image was from a 1980 movie called Gloria, and it's of a woman 
holding two, the images of a woman holding two uh, pistols. And Barry was responding to somebody's comment, and the caption said, quote, us when we see transphobes, end quote. In other words, yeah, when we see transphobes, we're going to pull out both our guns and fucking double barrel them. Arizona Republicans immediately called for her to resign or be fired. Uh, she did quit. And uh, it's just uh, gro- like, I just honestly, these people are so this, this has gone on long. You know, I've, I've like coddled a lot of shit with the transgender stuff because I really do think it's in your head. It's not really their fault, but I, I'm tired of this militancy. I'm fucking tired of it. I don't, I'm not, I'm not afraid of you. I think what you're, I don't care what you do in your own home. And I don't care what you do among your friends. Fucking leave the kids alone, and that goes for assaulting them, harming them, trying to brainwash them into something, performing for them. Just fucking leave it alone. Just be adults. Go do your own thing. This is America. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Nobody's trying to genocide you. They don't want you twerking in your thong in front of a six-year-old. That's what they don't want to do. All right? That's it. And then just a couple other things. Yes, there was a trans day of vengeance that was supposed to be today because apparently it's trans visibility day. Do you see all of them fucking protesting, rioting? Yeah, and this part of this is because of this anti-drag bill that was passed by Tennessee. And the bill that passed in Tennessee last week restricts, quote, adult cabaret performances, end quote, in public or in the presence of children, and it bans those performances from occurring within a thousand feet of schools, public parks, or places of worship. And I actually, just a personal anecdote, I was uh, at a restaurant the other day with some friends, and one of the friends of my friend was a gay man. And uh, he brought it up. He, and, and, But again, just the brainwashing. He's like, yeah, you know, just see in Tennessee, you can't even, uh, you can't even, you can't even wear drag. Like if I went to Tennessee and wore a dress, I'd be arrested. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. That's not. And he's like, yeah, would they just passed the bill? And I'm like, that's not what the fucking bill says. And he started calling me brainwashed. He's like, you've been watching all this propaganda. I'm like, no, I'm reading the text of the bill. And I even pulled up the text of the bill, which if you guys want, you can go. It's two pages long. It's very easy to read. Nowhere in there does it say. If you're wearing a dress in public, you'll be thrown in prison. That's not what the bill says. It just doesn't. It's it's fucking exhausting, though. Because these people really think like, hey, if you don't want a disturbed six-foot-five bearded man with huge fake tits wearing a thong twerking in front of a seven-year-old girl, you're an, you're an accessory to transgender genocide. That They really say that. And you can't explain it to them patiently because they just start screaming at you over and over and they won't listen to reason. So I'm like, okay, then I don't care what you think then. Then sit there and scream. Um, uh, quickly, and as far as that bill, by the way, a judge has now blocked the bill. You can't do anything. Even in red states, you can't do anything. A federal judge put a hold on the law hours before it was take, to take effect, saying there were legitimate, legitimate questions about whether it violated the First Amendment. And I should add, the reason I'm talking about this is because a lot of people are trying, they're, they're quasi-defending Audrey Hale, saying, well, look at the genocidal behavior she's had to deal with, like this anti-drag law. Well, the law has now been temporarily blocked because a Memphis theater company that frequently stages drag performances called Friends of George's challenged the law this week, arguing that the ambiguity of the law violated the theater's constitutional rights. 
by the way, the violation of the law, even if you did, if you say you fucking had a house party or, or you had a you were in the park and you decided to twerk for a bunch of kids, you would only be charged with a misdemeanor. If you kept doing it, then they would charge you with a felony. It was set to go into effect today, April 1st, Saturday. Um, and, and, and not only, the, the, by the way, the bill, I should point out, it doesn't say the word drag in the entire bill. It says adult cabaret, and it says no performances on public property by topless, go-go, or exotic dancers, or strippers, by the way. And I wouldn't want some fucking stripper setting up a pole in the local park in her thong and twerking for a seven-year-old boy. I wouldn't want that either. But they're saying the uh, language is too murky. And Judge Thomas L. Parker agreed to delay the law's implementation for two weeks. By the way, Judge Parker was appointed by former President Trump and unanimously confirmed to the District Court for the Western District of Tennessee in 2018. Uh, So, anything else about here? Um, In its suit, the theater company had highlighted the global history of drag performances from the male actors who performed female roles in plays by William Shakespeare. Get out of here. That is not what we have. (laughs) Yeah, the guy wearing a dress in Shakespeare. That's exactly like the viral video you saw of the chick in the classroom fucking... Uh, having uh, in the thong, ass cheeks hanging out, and a six-year-old girl stuffing dollar bills in the waistband. Yeah, the the two totally same things. Idiot. You guys know, and you guys know I'm a free speech dude. I don't care what you do. I'm here to tell you, drag queens, gays, transgenders, whatever, go to, go to the bar, have a drag show, fucking bang each other. Finish, finish all over each other. Just have it fucking dripping down the walls, dude. I don't care. Go do it. Do it every single night. Go fucking do it. Just don't have little kids around. And the ferocity in which this is met just is blowing my mind. And we have a cowardless, a cowardly, gutless media who will not put a fucking microphone in front of these activist faces and tell them the difference between what they think and what actually is and ask them, why are you so eager to perform for children? What is that? Why do sir or ma'am BK respects pronouns as everybody knows. Why are you so opposed to just having a bar or renting a bar? You can do that. It's private property. Rent a bar. Have your drag show. Fucking get spit roasted, dude. I know I've said spit roasted like three times in this podcast. <laughs> get get fucking bored out, dude, on both ends. Be finished all over yourself. You can do all that in private. So why is it exactly that you are objecting to this law? Knowing that you can do all that. And nobody will fucking do it. It's maddening to me. Uh, is that all I have? <laughs> Got a little worked up there. Okay, so I've got a few clips here. Let's start with some reaction to the shooting. Here's somebody on TikTok. Wow, this video has been four, viewed four million times. Let's listen to this person. I wonder if the parents of the victims of the Nashville shooting today would still have their children if these trans bills in Tennessee were never a thing. 
I'm not a parent, but if I were, I'd be real, real mad at the government. Of course you're not. I'd be real, real mad at the government. So somebody fucking murders three nine-year-old children, and it's because a bill, because of a bill that tells grown, performing, sexually performing adults that they can't do it in front of kids. Uh, here's another trans activist calling on trans people in Tennessee to uh, get out there. Trans people in Tennessee, it's time to fucking fight. Trans allies in Tennessee, it's time to fucking fight. Trans women, if they lock you up for identifying as a woman, that's not what fight, they do. Resist. You're gonna die anyways. We're going to die anyways. It's time to fucking resist. Fight them. Hurt them. If they put their hands on you, beat them. We are at an attack. It's time to fight back. Do you hear me? Trans people in Tennessee, trans men, trans women, non-binary, fight. If they try to arrest you or have you arrested on a felony for existing, that's not what it is. Again, beat them. Yeah. Team up. Gang together. Get people who agree with you to come and fight. Carry a weapon at all times. And yes, you have to attack the police officer. Oh, yes. That'll go well. Anything Allegedly. Else? But it's time. That's not It's that time. Means. If they're going to try to jail and police you for existing, nope. you fight them. You fight them. And if they lock you in prison, fuck up the guards. <laughs> Bust out of prison. <laughs> Jump in please, with other trans people. Please do it's this. It's time we organize a prison bust in Tennessee, guys. Yes, yes. It's time we organize a prison bust. Yeah, it's queen. It's time to start fighting. It's time. If they put their hands on you, fight them. Trans people. Fight them. We will not let them create a genocide of trans people. See what I mean? I am so tired. I was in a live the other day with two trans people who denied this. Out of my way. I disown any trans person who disagrees with this notion. You are not allowed at the fucking table. It's time to fucking fight. Trans genocides around the corner. Stop debating cis people in your existence. I do not debate. My existence is not a conversation. We fucking fight now, or we die. Wow. And we're not going to die debating cis people. They're going to have the last word. They're joining your life to call you a man. They're joining your life to call you a woman. They're joining your life to misgender you, to get the right pronouns, to tell you that you're not existent. They're fucking with you, and you're an idiot. Jesus. Stop. <laughs> this is crazy. You're going to kill us all. Join together and start organizing a rally for resistance. Not for talk. They're fucking with you. You're being gaslit. You think you're going to have a conversation and make progress. We don't have time to make progress. We have time to fight. God. All of you, I'm disappointed. Fight. Stop. If the, I'll tell you something. If a police officer put his hands on me for trying to be who I am, I don't care if I got shot. I'm taking a couple of transphobes with me. And I suggest you do the same. The time for debate is over. It's a waste of time. Wow. Okay, that was far more unhinged than I thought. Again, you see what they do, though? Oh, no, we're under attack for existing. No, you're not. And where are the older fucking drag queens or LGBT? Where are the older people who don't want to fucking be around kids? It's unreal, dude. Uh, here's a clip from Bill Maher. And uh, you're going to hear, this is actually, a part of this is the Lieutenant Governor of Virginia. I think she's a she's the veteran African-American woman, Winsome Sears. And you're going to hear one guy started off saying, uh, you know, and, and 
it's going to sound like he's defending like dead naming, but he's not. But Winsome Sears is going to chop in. Let's listen to this well, what's clip. What's interesting, here. if you've noticed, they are misgendering and dead naming the murderer, right? They are referring to the murderer by their given name, not their chosen name, right. and by their um, re- re- referring to her as a woman, as opposed to what her identity apparently was, was a man, right. which is not the way the media usually does these things. They're usually very particular about the subjective sense of gender identity in respecting that. Yeah, not when you kill three kids. Then they're a man. But in this case, they're not doing that. Hang on. You know what? This person murdered six people. I don't really care who you say you are. You murdered six people, and three of them were children. You don't get a say. Well, she's dead now, so, you know. But you don't get a say in telling us who you are and what you're about. You Notice that nobody in the audience is applauding. People. Oh, finally. Let's take her out of this and just... All right, so here's what I'm saying. Talk about the issue without the So murder. the issue then... Well, no, because you brought it out, so you know what okay. to talk about. So, so now we're on to something else. But here's the thing. I'm a parent. I'm a parent all day. I get to decide what happens in my child's life. Not you, not the government, not anybody. I don't co-parent. I had this child. I'm responsible for this child. Okay, you know, I want to stop her there before because she brings up a good point. Again, normally I don't like the government getting involved. So you're like, well, BK, this is a parent thing. These are parents who are bringing their children to these shows. It should be up to the parent. And and yet I agree. In a perfect world, you're right. I agree with that. I agree that it should just be left up to the parent. But apparently we have too many fucking psychotic parents who are fine with this. So apparently now the government of Tennessee has decided they had to step in. Now, I don't live in Tennessee. So I can't say or disagree. I but I will say yes, I would prefer if the parents stopped doing it rather than having the government step in with legislation. Here's another clip. Do you guys know who Charlotte Clymer is? Former Iraq veteran, current trans woman. Now, some of you may not know this, but Charlotte Clymer used to be known as Charles Clymer. He was a self-described male feminist. And then it came out that Charles Clymer was a big, huge creep who would try to use his liberal bona fides to fucking molest and sexually harass all kind of females. So then to dodge that, which, by the way, you can Google that. It's it's kind of hard to find. It's virtually been scrubbed. But you can Google it. Those are all facts. So then to dodge himself from those accusations, he decided to become trans. So he's this fucking huge beastly dude, and he's fucking sitting here on MSNBC with Joy Reid, Let's listen to what they say. Children are only unsafe at drag shows when a shooter shows up to kill them. That's right. That's where the threat is. I would challenge anyone just to get to know trans people. We are a vibrant, diverse community, as diverse as anyone else. I'm from the great state of Texas. I served in the military. I go to church every Sunday. My faith is very important to me. But God made me in her image. God made me transgender. Her image. And to see these people so cynically weaponize this and exploit these children's debts and their teachers' debts... It breaks my heart. I wonder what those families are thinking right now. What do you what do you mean, feel when you have somebody like Michael Knowles say at CPAC, we need to eradicate transgenderism, and when somebody like Tucker Carlson says that transgender people are at war with Christians? I can't see Christ in their words. That's for damn sure. I can't see where the biblical principles of loving your neighbor and walking the walk with Christ that they can see. I, I can't see what they're seeing right now because that's not of Christ. Okay, again, uh, most people, and I speak for many conservatives, everybody I know, they... They treat trans people with respect in real life, whatever. They're not like going there. They're not trying to get them fired. They're not physically harming them. They're not stopping them from voting. They just want to be left alone. 
and not have it shoved in their face constantly. Uh, and then the gun control thing came up. And here is, this was going around, in the halls of Congress, Representative Jamal Bowman from New York City and Representative Thomas Massey, Republican, the first one's a Democrat, they just got in a shouting match on the floor of the House over gun control. Let's hear how this goes. This is Bowman, obviously. Here's Just screaming over him. You guys get the point. I'm just going to move on from here. As far as his, like, the data about open carry states have more rates of gun violence, I, but but who's committing that gun violence? Are, are the people committing gun violence the ones who are concealed carrying? I fucking doubt it, dude. Most gun violence is done by street gangs in the United States of America. Almost The vast majority of it. Those are facts. And very few cases of gun violence are carried out with long guns to begin with. So, yes, he, he's, I'm sure the data does show that, but he's wildly distorting the facts. And this, this one, I fucking could not believe. This video has 8.1 million views on Twitter. The White House fucking press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, she was talking about this was like a day or two after a transgender person murdered three children and murdered three dedicated school employees. Listen to this shit. And one of the things that we saw during the midterm elections is that People don't want their freedoms to be taken. They want us to fight for their freedoms. And so it is shameful, it is disturbing, and uh, our hearts go out to uh, the, those, the trans community as they are under attack right now. But You believe that shit? The trans, the trans community is under attack. Again, because of Bill saying you can't fucking gyrate and twerk in a sexual manner in front of kids. And then sleepy Joe Biden. This would made waves too. Because he was coming down for his uh, press conference to talk about the shooting, and this is how he started. My name is Joe Biden. <laughs> I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. <laughs> and I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. 
came down because he heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. Jesus Christ. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. <laughs> kidding. I'm not. God. Ben, how are you, pal? One of the best guys in the United States Congress, Ben Cardin. Yeah, ice cream. Folks, uh, welcome to the White House. It's a delight to have you all here. And who are those good-looking kids back there? Wait, what? What? Yeah, what? They're your kids, all four of them? Well, stand up, guys. Oh, my. Joe, come on, Joe. Oh, Lord. Well, I want you to know, like you, I had two brothers, three of Okay, let me stop there. So that was it. Now, I will defend him a little bit by saying this wasn't specifically to talk about Nashville, but then he was immediately asked about it. So that's how he started. And this is after the shooting happened. So three nine-year-old children murdered, and Joe Biden comes down there like, I like chocolate ice cream. These <laughs> those good-looking kids. Come on, man. Yikes. And then finally, GOP lawmakers have overridden a Kentucky governor's veto on their trans law. The Kentucky measure bans access to gender transition care for young people. And uh, the governor decided to veto it. Yeah, Governor Andy Bashir, a Democrat, vetoed the bill, but it was overridden in both the state, House, and Senate where Republicans hold supermajorities. So that law specifically bans surgeries, puberty blockers, and hormone therapy for children under 18. So is that it? Yeah, that's it. I, you know, honestly, you guys, I fucking don't want to talk about this anymore. I've had it. You, I've put my feelings out there on it. And you know, here's my modest proposal as far as underage surgeries and hormones. I would put forth, and nobody has the balls to do this but me, my bill would say this. Until a child has their, a young person, they are not allowed to have any kind of surgery or hormones until after they've experienced their first orgasm. Because... Once you get on those things, especially the surgeries, those days are over. You're never going to have a normal sexual life. So, it, it, But now if you've experienced one, then you will know, okay, I kind of like that. Do I really want to go through with this procedure that could pretty much take that feeling away for the rest of my life? I think that's a good proposal. And then if you say yes, I don't care, okay, fine, do whatever you want. Modest proposal. Okay, God, let's go on. Let's go to world news again. A fire has killed at least 28 people on a passenger ferry in the Philippines. The ship was at sea near the southern island province of Basilan when the fire broke out. The cause of the fire is not immediately clear. Uh, but yeah, 18 bodies. It's unclear how many more people are missing, so this could rise. Uh, this ship was approved to carry at least 240 passengers and crew, but appears there were others on the vessel who were not on the manifest. So that's not unusual in the Philippines because they just fucking pack them in there. So this could, that could rise significantly. Uh, what else? Let's talk about some technology. You guys know I've been following the artificial intelligence. Chat GPT was the big one. Well, Chat GPT has been temporarily banned in Italy. Friday yesterday, the first known instance of the chatbot being blocked by a government order. Italy's Data Protection Authority said OpenAI, the California company that makes ChatGPT, unlawfully collected personal data from users and did not have an age verification system in place to prevent minors from being exposed to illicit material. So yeah, they are the first government to ban it as a result of privacy concerns. Now, they're not the first country to not have it because China, North Korea, 
Russia, and Iran, they don't have it because OpenAI decided to make ChatGPT non-accessible in those countries. Yep. And uh, yeah, so that's a, that's a big deal because now people are actually calling for a pause on artificial intelligence or AI. More than a thousand tech leaders, researchers, and others signed an open letter urging a moratorium on development of the most powerful AI tools because these tools, quote, uh, present profound risks to society and humanity, end quote. They say AI developers are locked in an out-of-control race to develop and deploy ever more powerful digital minds that no one, not even their creators, can understand, predict, or reliably control. How about that? Some of the people who signed the letter were Elon Musk, Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, Andrew Yang, the entrepreneur and 2020 presidential candidate, and Rachel Bronson, the president of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. And they're, 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 they're saying what I'm basically saying. They're like, where is this going? How many jobs will be lost? Where are we going to be when artificial intelligence wipes out 80% of all paperwork jobs? And what are those people going to then do? I, you know, it's a, Where is humanity going with this? What happens when the chat GPT bots decide that they don't want to be controlled anymore? You know, these are all things that we have to consider. Uh, so it's, 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 it's a fascinating topic to me. And uh, I, I don't know where it's heading either. I think, I suspect that if it got too powerful, people just take the law into their own hands and go to these tech companies where their servers are stored and fucking burn the buildings down. I bet they would do that. If you guys didn't know, AI researchers call things like ChatGPT a neural network. It's a type of mathematical system that learns skills by analyzing data. That's the same technology that digital assistants like Siri and Alexa, right, use to recognize spoken commands. So around 2018, companies like OpenAI began building these neural networks, but they were learning from enormous amounts of digital texts, including books, Wikipedia articles, chat logs, other information. And those networks are called LLMs, or large language models. So by studying the billions of patterns and all of that trillions and trillions and trillions of text, these LLMs learn to generate text on their own. And yeah, you can write tweets, you can write term papers, you can write, yes, computer programs, and they can carry on a conversation. So, uh, it's tough, very tough. How about some more technology? Let's go to our buddy, Sam Bankman-Fried. You guys remember him, the founder of FTX, the wonderkind? He's being charged now with a different charge. After he stole everybody's crypto deposits, he's now being charged with foreign bribery. Federal prosecutors said Sam Bankman-Fried had instructed employees to pay $40 million to Chinese officials to help unfreeze accounts maintained by FTX's sister company, Alameda Research. Yeah. Uh, Alameda Research, by the way, held about $1 billion in cryptocurrency. Remember, Alameda was the one, that was the trading platform they had that made all the goofy trades. The bribe was paid to unnamed Chinese officials in crypto, and it did succeed in getting the trading accounts unfrozen in China. So the bribery charge was brought under the Foreign Corrupt Business Practices Act. 
That's a federal law used by the authorities to go after big corporations for paying bribes to operate in other countries. So this makes now 13 criminal counts. That includes security frauds, securities fraud, money laundering, campaign finance violations. Uh, This could be decades in prison. He is still not, I don't know if he's entered a plea. Let me see here. I've got one more tab open on here. Oh, no, he has entered a plea. He said no, He said he's pleading not guilty on the charges of bribery. Uh, so, yeah, and, he, and, he, and yes, here you go. He, had, he has also pleaded not guilty to the previous eight criminal charges. I don't know, man. This is all a paper trail, so what are you going to say? Like, no, it wasn't me writing that email? And then speaking of crypto, I'm honestly surprised this hasn't happened more. A self proclaimed Canadian crypto king was kidnapped, held for three days, and tortured after he reportedly scammed investors out of millions of dollars to live a glamorous lifestyle, according to a lawsuit. 23-year-old Aidan Platersky is currently going through bankruptcy proceedings as authorities in Canada try to recover the $29 million U.S. he's accused of scamming out of investors. So far, they got back just $1.6 million. And they're saying that this fucking guy, he's a kid, right? Spent most of it on a private jet, huge fleet of sports cars, and luxury fucking vacations. Wow. Yeah. These latest revelations were made by his father in a government report. And Adam Peters, the dad, said he got a late night call demanding $3 million Canadian currency, that's $2.1 million U.S., and a ransom. And Peters then claims his son was driven around in Ontario, beaten, and tortured. He was supposedly released after a few days, but threatened to come up with the money quickly or else. He was allowed to make a phone call. One of them was to his landlord, who did testify that Platursky called begging, begging him for the millions in ransom payments. And the landlord's like, dude, I don't have that kind of money. There's nothing I can do. No suspects have been revealed in the kidnapping, and the Toronto police did not provide any information on the suspected kidnapper or if any arrests were made. So I wonder if this actually happened, or if he's like making it up to try to get some sympathy from a jury. It's very possible. Okay, guys, fuck. This is a lot. Let's lighten it up. And yes, many of you did send this to me. Let's go to Nepal where a 47 year old man uh, had to have surgery after putting a glass into his anus he waited three days before seeking medical attention and he initially denied inserting it on purpose he later confessed to paramedics, shockingly, that he had used the 12-centimeter-long glass for, quote, self-gratification purposes, end quote, when drunk. He is a married man from Kathmandu. They wrote in the Journal of Nepal Medical Association that he had been unable to defecate for two days. And I'm, look- I'm looking at the... This is a pint glass, basically, a regular-sized pint glass. And it, he shoved it in there, um, bottom, small end first. <laughs> oh, God. They have a picture of it in the Daily Mail. They have a picture of the glass out after they took it out, and they're holding a ruler up to show how big it is, and the glass is just covered in fucking muck, dude. Oh, come on. 
Oh, no. Yeah, they couldn't. They, they tried the initial attempts to remove it from his rectum, proved unsuccessful. So they, he, he was asked to lay flat on his back with his legs in the air, and the surgeons tried to pull the cup out manually. But it's a glass, right? It was slippery, and they were afraid they would break it, and that would tear open the bowels, and you know, you're talking sepsis at that point. So they had to cut into the stomach to allow the team to get closer. So then they felt the glass in the colon, but they were unable to extract the glass through the anus as the glass was too high up. So then they decided to undertake a sigmoid enterotomy. That is when an incision is made into the actual intestine, and that's how they got the cup out. After five days, the man was able to start defecating again. Beautiful. All right. Uh, by the way, and the medics mo- noted that in most cases of rectal insertions are men between the ages of 30 or 40. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. Uh, that's terrible. A couple animal stories. Let's start with uh, to both animal. By the way, very, the highest probably on the animal hierarchy. Let's start with the orca, Lolita. The killer whale known as Lolita is appearing one step closer to returning to its natural habitat of the Pacific Northwest after performing at a Miami tourist attraction for decades. Lolita was taken from the ocean in 1970. But now officials have announced a binding agreement to take Lolita to its home waters. They say this could happen in the next 18 to 24 months. Um, 57 years old then. Uh, the orca has not performed since last year, but remains in its tank. The tank is only 80 feet long by 35 feet wide. Lolita's 95-year-old mother is believed to still be alive. Wow. So they're going to fly the orca across the country and house her in a natural sea pen in Washington State where it will be monitored and taught to fish after decades of being head, uh, fed by handlers. Wow. That's great. It was at the Miami Seaquarium. Wow, that's very... I, I'm just wondering, like, I mean, I was thinking to myself, is this thing has no shot of surviving? But you never know. If other orcas come around, maybe. And my second animal, very much on the animal hierarchy, very, very high, are the elephants. Yeah, let's go to Thailand. Uh, yeah, well, they're having a little bit of problem because the uh, country of Thailand is overrun with elephants, right? So these captive elephants over there are being freed, but they don't really have nowhere anywhere to go. So they keep showing up back at their villages where they've been born. After the owners could no longer afford to keep them, they cut them loose, but the elephants keep coming back. Uh, but it's pretty crazy. The, the New York Times points out there's a small village called Ban Ta Klang. It only has about 100 homes. Nearly every house has one or more elephants chained up outside. Because they use these as pack animals. Government agencies estimate that Thailand has 3,800 captive elements and about elephants and about 3,600 in the wild. Unlike other countries with significant captive populations, the ones in Thailand are nearly all privately owned. The animals and their offspring are often passed down 
through generations there. Yeah, so the pandemic happened, right? And the tourists stopped showing up who liked to ride the elephants and they couldn't afford to feed them anymore. So they would cut them loose, but the elephants fucking kept coming back. Yeah, that's a rough one. You know, and I'm not going to lie. Like, I want to say that if I went and had an opportunity to ride a huge elephant, I wouldn't take it because, again, probably number one for land animals on the hierarchy. But at the same time, I, I would I would like to be on top of an elephant. And so my dream is, I suppose my compromise, I have a fantasy about being out in the Thai jungle and I'm just like eating berries and a fucking huge elephant comes up and he likes me and he lifts me up with his trunk and puts me on his back and we travel off into the forest for many adventures. That would be, honestly, guys, does it get any better than that in life? That's what BK wants. That's my ultimate dream. I want to be accepted into the pachyderm community. Let's keep going here. What else? Uh, man, I spent a lot more time on transgender shit than I wanted to, but let's keep going. Uh, let's talk about hip-hop news. You guys know the rapper Flo Rida? Yeah, his six-year-old autistic son is in the ICU. Now, nah, sad story. He suffered a shattered pelvis, uh, metatarsal fractures, liver lacerations, internal bleeding, collapsed lungs after falling out of a five-story window. And now his mother has filed a lawsuit claiming that the Jersey City building windows, quote, posed a hazardous condition, end quote, which allowed her son to fall out onto the concrete. This wasn't Jersey City, by the way. She claimed she made multiple requests to have window guards installed, but those requests were ignored. Hmm. I mean, ultimately, it's your fucking responsibility. What else? The, oh, how about this? I put this on my uh, on my Instagram stories. That BK actual. <laughs> I, I can't believe this. The World Health Organization is now saying that healthy children and teens probably don't need a COVID vaccination. How about that? Are you, for three years, we heard that elementary school kids were going to kill their teachers. You believe these fucks? They kept kids out of school. They destroyed their fucking social lives and socialization skills. They all lost like two grade levels. And now they're like, oh, never mind. They don't need it. In guidance released on Tuesday, the World Health Organization deemed healthy young people, quote, low priority, end quote, for COVID vaccination. Uh, yeah, yeah. It said the public health impact of vaccinating healthy children and adolescents is, quote, much lower than the established benefits of traditional essential vaccines for children, end quote, like measles, polio, mumps, you know, the, all that stuff. So they, it, it, they didn't. And let me read between the lines. They don't need them. And I told you they didn't need them fucking about two weeks after the pandemic started. Crazy. How about, uh, oh, let's go to Indiana. Bad, bad preacher and a bad preacher story. An Indianapolis pastor who ran a nonprofit to feed homeless people is now accused of rape and offering a 17-year-old $1,000 to have sex with him. And the 17-year-old is a boy. It's a male. 17-year-old police told police that 43-year-old Tyree Coleman initially sent him $50 to buy new shoes. And the teen told police that Coleman said he was bisexual 
and offered the teen $1,000 to either have sex with him or show him his genitals, according to court records. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to offer me $1,000 to just look at my genitals, hey, I'm, I'll, I'll take you up on that offer. That's no problem. Of course, I'm a grown man and not a 17-year-old. So after the teen came forward, they got a search warrant for Coleman's cell phone and located several messages that show Coleman was paying for sex along with nude photos of, quote, young-looking males, end quote. Yeah, there is a mugshot if you want to go check them out. Gross. All right. Let's see here. Oh, one of you guys just sent me this one. This is great. So uh, police are investigating hate crime after a noose has been found in an Aberdeen high school. This is uh, in Baltimore. Aberdeen High School is the name of the school. And yes, the noose was found in a classroom. The teacher discovered this after returning to the classroom. That's where they found a piece of rope tied in the shape of a noose attached to their whiteboard. Three messages were also written on the whiteboard, seemingly from three different authors. The teacher had been away from their classroom for a few days and found the rope when they returned to their workspace. They are appalled, of course. Uh, I have sources in the local police department uh, that are telling me it was funny. They didn't tell me the message said, but they said this noose was sitting there for like two days. Nobody even noticed. The teacher didn't notice who was there and hundreds of school children didn't notice it was there. But now all of a sudden it's front page news, which is pretty funny. Military stories. This is a big one. The Senate has voted to appeal, <laughs> appeal, repeal, the Iraq War Power Authorizations 20 years after the United States invaded Iraq. Wow. Yeah, you guys remember this is the AUMF, the Authorization for Use of Military Force. It now goes to the U.S. House of Representatives for a vote. Uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy has signaled a support for it and said it would likely be brought to the floor. It does appear to have a good chance of passing the chamber. And this comes, uh, yeah, we know it's, we all know it's the 20th anniversary of the U.S. invasion of Iraq. The White House said it supports the measure to repeal the 1991 and 2002 authorizations for use of force in Iraq. So this would kind of be a uh, symbolic end to it, right? And the 2002 AUMF of course, has been used by every president since for military operations far beyond the original scope. Remember, Barack Obama used that measure to justify airstrikes against the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. Trump cited the AUMF when authorizing the strike that took out Iranian General Qasem Soleimani in Baghdad. You guys remember the guy we ginsued near the Baghdad airport? And it's about time. I mean, this they were they were basically using this so that it didn't have to go to a vote in Congress. Like Obama used this because he didn't want to go to Congress and say, say, I need permission to use airstrikes in Syria. He didn't want to do that. So he pointed to the AUMF and saying, no, 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 that, that the 2002 authorization says that I can protect the uh, America from foreign uh, terrorists. That's what I'm doing here. And another one, the army has pulled the be all you can be advertising after the on-screen narrator Jonathan Majors was arrested. <laughs> it had just started. Jonathan Majors, if you know, he's in the new Creed movie as Michael B. Jordan's uh, the antagonist. He's facing a charges of assault, strangulation, and harassment, according to the New York 
City Police. And apparently the story is the cops responded to a 911 call shortly after 11 a.m. at an apartment in New York City's Chelsea neighborhood where they found majors and a 30-year-old woman with injuries to her head and neck. Officers did what they call a preliminary investigation and arrested the actor over this domestic dispute. So uh, Major's criminal defense uh, lawyer seems to think that the chick is full of shit, but you know how the military is. Even a hint of scandal, they fucking pulled the marketing immediately. I mean, this is a lot of money. So Army... The Army Times had previously reported that the Be All You Can Be launch would include in-person events in Texas for the NCAA's Final Four event. You know, I didn't like the commercial anyway. Did you guys notice? I hate this. So all the old wars show dudes in combat because it shows the Revolutionary War, skip the Civil War for obvious delicate reasons, showed guys in combat in Revolutionary War, showed guys in combat in World War I, showed guys in combat in World War II, skipped Korea, skipped Vietnam, and then it showed somewhat of a Middle Eastern-looking land where, like, people were distributing food. Like, show some... Why don't they ever show, like, fucking badass shit about the GWAT? All the pictures on Instagram that get the most hits are all the fucking bearded, soft Special Operations Forces warriors, right? Why don't we make a commercial fucking showing guys fast roping out of the helicopters, full kit, looking all jacked, tan... Fucking booming bowling ball shoulders. Fucking raining hell down on some hold-up Taliban. Why don't we show that? I, I mean, I know why we don't. It would be seen as uh, inappropriate and culturally insensitive. But that would be... That's what guys want to see. There was a Ranger commercial like that where they were... To be fair, they weren't attacking actual like military, but they were attacking like a village, like a mount site. And it was really cool. They were like firing and everything. You guys remember that commercial I'm talking about? They were like moving down the fucking dirt street and fucking firing everything and laying hate. And I'm like, finally, a good military commercial. We should do stuff like that. Enough with the handing out food and the. I, I'm sick of it. All right. Oh, this was just breaking too. I don't know if I uh, talked about this or not, but. There was a U.S. Marine officer who adopted an Afghan war orphan. And in a highly unusual ruling, a state court judge on Thursday voided that adoption more than a year after this U.S. Marine took a little girl away from the Afghan couple raising her. This is Marine Major Joshua Mast and his wife, Stephanie. For now, the child is going to stay with them um, but the mass will now have to reprove the court that they should be granted a permanent adoption. So the Afghan couple has been identified by the Afghan government as the child's relatives in February 2020 and raised her for 18 months. And this was going way up the chain. Here's how it happened. She was an infant when she was found injured in the rubble after a U.S.-Afghan military raid in a rural part of Afghanistan in September 2019. She spent more than five months in the U.S. military hospital before the Afghan government and International Committee of the Red Cross determined she had living relatives and united her with them. Unbeknownst to them, Mast learned about the baby while the baby was hospitalized and decided that he and his wife should be their parents. The Mast told the Virginia Circuit Court judge that she was the daughter of terrorists who died in the fight and thus a stateless orphan. 
He claimed the Afghan government was prepared to waive jurisdiction over her, though they never did, so the judge granted him the adoption. So the masts contacted the couple in Afghanistan, offering to help with her medical treatment. After we withdrew, the masts helped the couple evacuate to the United States, and once they arrived, masts used the adoptive order to take the child, and the Afghan couple has not seen her since. I mean, this is pretty... This sounds pretty fucked up, dude. I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but you can't just take somebody's kid. Wow. Very weird. And then, yes, yeah, sadly, uh, we lost nine service members that were killed in a Black Hawk helicopter crashes. And yes, uh, my listeners, some of you worked with them. I got your messages. Very, very sad. Apparently, the two helicopters were on a routine training mission. I heard that there were one night vision involved. And I also heard that some of the pilots were pretty inexperienced and it was like their first time really doing a multi-ship night vision move, which could be challenging even in the best conditions. Five service members were aboard one of the helicopters, four on the other, and there were no survivors. Eight males, one female. So they're, they're investigating the crash. So we're all that's really all we know. So very, very sad. Rest in peace. Let's see here. What else do I want to do? Oh, you, I, I wanted to say this quickly. Uh, one of the military journalists put out on Twitter, here is the official reason Fort Bragg is being renamed Liberty. You guys remember I railed about this a while ago? Like, dude, all the fucking war heroes that came out of Fort Bragg, you could pick, you could throw a rock and hit a Medal of Honor winner from Fort Bragg. So why didn't you name it after there? Well, the official reason, according to the U.S. government, they are saying that uh, the people who served on the naming commission struggled to agree on one name for the more than 50 Medal of Honor recipients, right? So they were were getting 50 freaking Medal of Honor winners just from Fort Bragg to name it after. And then they decided, well, we just can't choose. So we'd like a value or characteristic that would have significance for everyone. And then, according to the feds, a gold star mother stood up and said, we are never going to agree. There are too many people. My son gave his life for liberty. And then everyone said, liberty! I don't fucking believe that for a second. Come on, get out of here. No, I don't believe any of this. Until I see this gold star mom on camera or anybody who's actually in the room, I refuse to believe. That is so hokey. It just isn't believable. And and, And I stand by it. It's a stupid name. All warships, U.S. military installations, they should be named after people and after our great war heroes. We have hundreds of years of it. Come on. Oh, and a U.S. Navy doctor from Coronado has pleaded guilty on Tuesday to defrauding the military, uh, the U.S. Navy, out of $2 million. 51-year-old Dr. Michael Villarroel admitted that he and others conspired to defraud the Navy by faking or exaggerating injuries to obtain insurance payments intended to help service members recovering from traumatic injuries. Yeah, participants in the scheme obtained about $2 million in payments from the Traumatic Service Members Group Life Insurance Program, which is funded by service members and the Navy, and VROL personally obtained more than $180,000 in kickbacks. 
Viorella, he's the 10th defendant to plead guilty to crimes under this, knowing that these claims were, and the injuries were false, exaggerated, et cetera, et cetera. Damn, dude. So this was like a huge scam, and they all fucking, like 10 other people got it, huh? Crazy. Okay. Um, as long as I'm on the topic for the military, uh, this is pretty funny. Representative Matt Gates confronted Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin about funding drag queen story hours on military bases. Only how this. much taxpayer money should go to fund drag queen story hours on military bases? Uh, Senator, I'm not aware of the uh, uh... you know drag drag queen story hours is not something that uh, spot on impression. Wait a second. That's actually not what the record seems to suggest. You were going to fund one at Ramstein Air Force Base. That one got canceled, but that's DOD insignia. That's a drag queen story hour for children. Then also at uh, Malstrom Air Force Base outside of Great Falls, Montana, you had a, a drag queen story hour for kids. At the Joint Base Langley Eustis, you put <laughs> on a drag queen story hour on a Saturday for the first ever kid-friendly diversity, equity, inclusion summer festival. And at Nellis Air Force Base, you had the drag you Nellis on June 17th. I broke that story. Thank you. The last one. Listen, uh, drag shows and, uh, are not something that the Department of Defense uh, supports or funds. So. Wait, why, why are they happening on military bases? I just, I just showed you the evidence. Why are they happening? Uh, well, uh... I will say again. <laughs> this is not something that we support or fund. Well, you, so you uh, think all right. So let me, this this whole clip goes on for like five fucking minutes. If you want to hear, I, I will defend Austin a little bit. This is like these are. It might not. It's probably indirectly, right? Like it's being put together with like morale funds. But some of those morale funds are tax money. So, uh, pretty funny though. Uh, what other clips do I have that I want to get to here? Got a few. Uh, what's this one as it slowly... Lo oh, speaking of Afghanistan, here's where I do not like Lloyd Austin. Let's listen to this clip when he's being asked. But do you have regrets about the withdrawal from Afghanistan? I support the president's decision. Do you have regrets of, about the withdrawal or how the withdrawal occurred from Afghanistan that cost the lives of 13 of our service members? I, I don't have any regrets. Uh, you don't no. have any regrets. Secretary Austin, uh, it's very telling. Uh, Secretary yeah, Austin, the wrong answer, um, buddy. Has there ever been any accountability for anyone within the Department of Defense no. for the deadly, botched, and embarrassing withdrawal from Afghanistan? Any accountability? Hey, listen, our our, our troops evacuated 124,000 people off of that airfield. Has anyone and been held accountable? If a Navy captain grounded a ship, what happens immediately? Typically, that, that captain is removed. That captain is removed. Has anyone been held accountable for what happened in Afghanistan? To my knowledge, no. You don't regret it? No one's ever been held accountable? Mr. Chairman, this is why this Republican majority must provide the accountability that this administration wants to sweep under the rug. Uh, yeah, that's a big, but basically, Lloyd Austin, you know, he's, he's appointed by Joe Biden. So he's not going to go against the program there. And uh, yeah, But to say, like, I have no regrets, I mean, you could have said something like, vanilla like yeah i regret the loss of life uh you know it was a terrible thing it's the heat of battle the confusion the mobs you know I'll just say something like that just don't say i i i have no regrets uh senator or congressman i have no regrets sound like an idiot 
Did you guys see the carjacking of the highway patrol cruiser in California out here? The, the, the CHP? And the fucking guy jumped out of the CHP cruiser while he was being chased. He jumped out of it. He opened it. He was going like 65 miles an hour. The dude jumps out of it, splatters his fucking head all over the concrete, and promptly dies. So, um, yeah. Port. Oh, th this article says it was moving about 70 miles an hour on the 138 freeway. And yeah, it turned into a big grease spot on the freeway. You guys can go watch the full video. Uh, I put it on Twitter. Bravo Kilo Actual. Pretty wild. Uh, let's see here. Oh, this is good. God, I don't want to do another transgender story, but this is too good. Uh, women have filed a lawsuit against the University of Wyoming sorority over admission of trans-identified male who watches them undress. Yeah, seven women. They're suing the Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority after it was told to admit a male who identifies as transgender. 21-year-old Artemis Longford, Langford was accepted into Kappa Kappa Gamma following a vote that was held after he submitted an admission form. Okay, well, but you, you voted for it, didn't you? I'm looking. Langford is 6'2 and weighs 260. And as a member, he's allowed to live in the house, which accommodates up to 50 women. Um, doors to the communal showers do not lock, and they don't have a private changing area. And uh, yeah, that's right. These uh, They're alleging that Langford had been voyeuristically peeping on them while they were in intimate situations. And in at least one occasion, had a visible erection while doing so. <laughs> the suit says, quote, Mr. Smith, uh, he's referred to as, the, as Terry Smith. It's a pseudonym. Mr. Smith has, while watching members enter the sorority house, had an erection visible through his leggings. Other times, he has had a pillow in his lap, end quote. And the complaint adds that he is sexually interested in women, as evidenced by his Tinder profile, through which he seeks to meet women. Oh, and they say he took photographs of them while he was at a sorority slumber party. He repeatedly questioned the women about what vaginas look like, what their breast cup size was, and whether women were considering breast implants. He was supposed to leave the slumber party by 10 p.m. that evening, but he did not. Hmm. At the time, it stated that Langford stood silently in the corner of the room while watching the other pledges change out of their sleeping garments. <sighs> hey, you know what? Yeah, I, you know what? I've stopped caring about the women. You know, I'm looking around at all these events and uh, seeing these women athletes, especially like cheering it on, saying, "Yeah, Queen, you're competing in our event and stealing our gold medals." And you know what? So fuck you, dude. Let them win. But I do love the male powerlifter who protested Canada's uh, gender self ID law who entered a weightlifting contest and he promptly destroyed it. And he's got a full beard and everything. Avi Silverberg. He was protesting rules by the Canadian Powerlifting Union, which allow anybody who identifies as a woman to compete. Like no background check, no history of, you know, pretending to be nothing. You can just walk up and literally say, yeah, I'm a woman. And the funny thing was he broke the female bench press record for the 84-pound-plus-kilograms women's category, which that record was set by a transgender lifter. So he... <laughs> good. More people should do that. Oh, my God. 
That's, uh, and also, do you guys know who Alex Stein is? I just want to play this clip. Alex Stein, remember the guy who was like uh, yelling at AOC, Alejandro Ocasio-Cortez, calling her big booty Latina, all that stuff? Well, as you guys know, today is not the Transgender Day of Rage. That was canceled, but it is the Transgender Visibility Day or whatever it's fucking called. So they're holding a huge like rally in New York City. This takes nuts. So Alex Stein likes to walk in on these things and hold his camera up and walk through this mob of people screaming at him, spitting on him. Like It takes guts. And say, like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? I just wanted to play a little bit of this clip. This is from his, his video. Let's hear how this went here. So there's the second video taken from afar. It's like this dude, and he's surrounded by at least 500 fucking activists. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, it takes balls, dude, in this day and age. Uh, quickly, starting to run out of time already. A couple of uh, archaeology stories. You guys know I like that one. In a Roman tomb, dead nails reveal an occult practice. They found a 2nd century imperial burial site with 41 bent or twisted iron nails. And they think these nails were meant to keep the deceased in their place. Right? Yeah. This is great. Uh, yeah, they, they excavated a set of talismanic nails, is what they're talking about. And the 25 of the nails were headless and deliberately bent at right angles. And this is the subject of a new study permit published in the journal Antiquity. The nails were not used in the construction of the pier and had no practical purpose. Uh, so these dead nails are believed to possess occult powers. Man, that's fascinating. And then in another archaeology story, an ancient Egypt excavation has uncovered a 2,000... I'm sorry uncovered 2,000 mummified ram heads uh, near Cairo. They date from the Ptolemaic period and have been uncovered at the Temple of Ramses II in the ancient city of Abydos in southern Egypt. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It's, it's incredible. It's an incredible shape. The horns look brand new. And then the face like looks all leathery and everything. But yeah, 2,000 of them, dude. So they're still trying to figure out what that all means. How about this story? The Bay Area police union leader who's been arrested for allegedly smuggling fentanyl into the United States to sell in bulk. And if I go Google this chick's picture. San Jose Police Officers Association Executive Director Joanne Marion Segovia. She's 64, and the funny thing is her picture, she looks like your Aunt Karen, dude. She looks like a very pleasant white lady, you know, smiling, the little necklace. <laughs> and she's like this hardcore fucking drug smuggler. 
She's been charged with an attempt to unlawfully import a controlled substance. Between 2015 and 2023, Segovia received 61 shipments that were labeled wedding party favors, shirt tops, gift makeup, chocolate and sweets, food supplements, etc., originating from countries including Hong Kong, Hungary, India, and Singapore. They were all illicit drugs. She is denying ordering or receiving prescription medications to the mail. She said she would never do that. But um, the feds are disagreeing with her because they say they found emails and WhatsApp messages on her phone talking about shipments of drugs, dude. Definitely not the typical drug dealer you will see. This is an important story. Nonprofit groups fraudulently spent millions on illegal immigrants at the border, according to the Inspector General report. You believe these criminals? How often have I told you about these NGOs who are helping with all the rampant illegal immigration? These nonprofits received more than $100 million from the federal government to feed and house illegal immigrant immigrants, right? They failed to adhere to that law and decided to spend some of that money however they wanted. So the inspector general found organizations that were given FEMA money to respond to the crisis. They regularly failed to submit receipts and used money on illegal immigrants who should not have received taxpayer funds. FEMA was awarded $110 million as part of that American Rescue Plan, and they dispersed it among these nonprofit groups who help all the fucking immigrants come in. Unreal. They were supposed to provide proof of how much money was being spent, daily reports of how many immigrants they served, everything else. More than half of the $12.9 million awarded to one of them was missing required paperwork. And the groups did not report names and identifying information for the immigrants they had served. And they had spent money assisting immigrants who were not lawfully released at the border. Wow. Immigrants who crossed the border illegally and got away, the gotaways, requested assistance from the NGOs. And yes, they did receive federal money. So there you go. That's why I don't donate to charity. I don't. I think I told you guys this before. My way of donating to charity, I tip heavily. Because that money goes right into somebody who's working hard's pocket. So that's my way of uh, charity. Okay. Uh, and by the way, immigration tripled in the top U.S. counties, even as many of them lost population. The number of immigrants nearly tripled in the nation's 20 most populous counties from 2021 to 2022. Um, but many of those counties are still losing residents to the suburbs. Yep. This is basically their, you call what you, you call it conspiracy theory all you want, but basically the current residents of these counties are being replaced by illegal immigrants, and that's just a fact. Yeah. Some of those counties include San Diego here, Miami-Dade, and King County in Washington. And by the way, twice as many Chinese illegal immigrants have crossed the U.S. border in 2023 after just three months, as in all of 2022. Yep, 4,293. 4,293 Chinese illegal immigrants have been arrested at the border this year so far. All of 2022, it was 1,987. This is data coming from the Customs and Border Protection. Yeah, the flood continues. All right. Let's see here. Uh, do I have any? I just want to make sure I don't have any must here. 
clips. It, not a lot of uh, funny clips this weekend. For we don't have any good racisms or anything like that, unfortunately. So before I run out of time, I just want to uh, keep going on here. How about this? A Pennsylvania child rapist has been jailed until the year thirty-five twenty-three. Yeah, Matthew Perry was found guilty last November. So that's 3,000 years in prison, basically. And this is for sex crimes carried out over a period of six years. He was found guilty and convicted of 13,143 felonies. District Attorney David Russo said he decided to charge one count for every day the child victim was being abused starting from the age of five. During the trial, Russo said the victim testified she was raped every single day. So unanimous jury, after a four-day trial, found Perry guilty of 2,190 felony charges of rape of a child under 13, 2,190 felony charges of deviant sexual intercourse with a child, 2,191 felony charges of aggravated indecent assault, the same number for felony uh, for incest of a minor. So it's incest, too? They don't say anything about the girl. So I'm assuming if there's an incest charge, it's related to fucking Pennsylvania hick. Crazy. Gwyneth Paltrow won her fucking ski accident trial. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I got to hand it to her. That's right. She could have easily afforded to settle this case, but she didn't want to. She decided to take it to court, even though she's worth $200 million. Yeah, uh, apparently, I don't know if, they say $300,000 ski crash dispute. I don't know if that's how much she spent on lawyers for this or how much they wanted to settle for. But yeah, she won her case against retired optometrist, 76-year-old Terry Sanderson, who claimed a 2016 skiing collision with her left him with four broken ribs and permanent brain damage. Now, there were no witnesses and no camera footage. And... This guy, I kind of mentioned this the other day. This guy seemed off from the beginning, like he was making all of it up, dude. And they found they found all kinds of shit of him doing plenty of physical activities, even though he had, you know, claimed like he was traumatized for life. But yeah, after winning the suit, Paltrow is owed just one single dollar from Sanderson because she countersued or whatever. But he must also pay her legal fees. This guy came off like a fucking huge goof. I wonder how much he spent on lawyers. Yeah, that okay, here we go. He wanted $300,000 from Gwyneth Paltrow. But the court case revealed he'd been traveling all over the world while claiming to be ill. <laughs> Moron. You're so stupid. One of his three one of Sanderson's three daughters testified that he was angry and his wife had an affair and he would lie about his lifestyle. He wrote an email to his three daughters on February 29th, 2016, reading, quote, I'm famous, end quote. Three days earlier, he had collided with Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, that's funny, man. And then they opened up his whole life on the stand, and he came off like a complete fucking liar. And he doesn't have a lot of money. So you fucking went off the, you went after the wrong fucking crowd there, man. Over the course of the seven-day trial, Sanderson has seen his mental stability question and an uncomfortable spotlight shown on the family. 
Yeah, and his own daughter on the stand says she didn't feel loved or nurtured and said he was verbally abusive towards her and her mother, and the court heard, yeah, the mom was having an affair. The kid said she hasn't had a relationship with him for 13 years. Nice, dude. Good job. Okay, uh, sadly, those crazy tornadoes, man, they killed at least 10 people is the toll now. These are in Arkansas. At least 30 people were injured. This swept through the middle of uh, Arkansas yesterday, Friday, and there were a few tornadoes in Indiana. They collapsed a roof at a packed concert venue in Illinois. They left millions of people under tornado watches from Texas to Michigan. The mayor of Little Rock said at least 30 people were hospitalized there and that more than 2,000 homes were damaged. Dude, I'll take the, I'll take the earthquakes over the tornadoes any time. California, yes, they are going to require half of all heavy trucks sold by 2035 to be electric. Are they, are they out of their mind? We're talking semi-trucks, right? The ones that haul the freight. We don't have one that exists that can do that. We don't have a truck that can haul a semi-truck load that exists. We don't, it doesn't exist. 2035 is not that far away. But yes, the Biden administration Friday yesterday granted California the legal authority to require that half of all garbage trucks, tractor trailers, cement mixers, and other heavy vehicles sold in the state must be all electric by 2035. This goes beyond Fed requirements, which is why California needed permission from fucking Joe Biden's administration to do it. Remember, we already passed a law last year that requires all new passenger vehicles to be electric by the same year, 2035. And never mind if we don't have any charging spaces for any of these or half the existing charging spaces don't work or that thieves steal all the fucking copper out of them and that a new fucking electric vehicle costs $50,000. Don't worry about all that. It's just, it's just going to happen whether you like it or not. Yeah, here we go. Some say the mandate that half of all heavy trucks sold be electric by 2035 is so ambitious as to be nearly impossible, given that fewer than 2% of heavy trucks sold in the U.S. last year were all electric. And, and th those are not semi-trucks. Those are fucking like some of the dump trucks and stuff. Yep, half of them. Half of all the trucks sold by 2035. Hold on to those diesel semis. A stampede at a Ramadan food distribution center kills 11 people in Pakistan. That was in the city of Karachi. And a bunch of people injured. That happened when hundreds of people panicked and started pushing each other to collect food outside a factory. Some of them then fell into a nearby drain. A wall then collapsed near the drain, injuring and killing people. Eight women and three children dead. Some factory owner decided to organize this food distribution, but he didn't tell the cops about it. And uh, otherwise, they might have deployed people. With this latest incident, the death toll from stampedes at free food centers across Pakistan has risen to at least 21 people since last week. <laughs> Ugh, guy. What are you doing? I, I mean, come on. Just wait in line. Just fucking calm down, dude. They don't. Uh, they're fighting over in Kenya. 
Yeah, in Nairobi, protesters are throwing rocks at the cops in Kenya's capital. And attackers set fire to an office run by the president's party in a western town on Thursday during a third wave of demonstrations. Mm-hmm. Remember they had that controversial election? And now supporters of the opposition leader Raila Odinga erecting are erecting barricades, setting shit on fire, and all this. This is a a protest over the cost of living in President William Ruto's government. And they don't like it, so they decided to all get out there. I got to hand it to them, man. They do get after it out there. Let's see here. Speaking, did I have this one clip I kind of wanted to play? If I can find... Oh, yeah. I want to play this clip. You guys remember goofball Kamala Harris went to uh, went overseas? Well, speaking of the president of Kenya... This is Kenya's president, William Ruto, and he's very cryptic about this, but he's sitting there and he's talking about dangers that are coming to the U.S. dollar. Uh, If you guys have been following, there seems to be some countries out there doing business without the U.S. dollar being involved, you know, buying and selling oil. They're using the Chinese yuan and their other currencies, and uh, it's slow right now. But that's something to watch. So I'm going to play a little bit of this from Ruto and see what he says, see what we make out of it. Uh, For the people who work numbers, I am giving you free advice that those of you who are holding dollars, you certainly might go into losses. You better better, uh, do what you must do because uh, this market is going to be different in a couple of weeks. And uh, secondly, uh, we... Through the central bank, we are having conversations to reinstate the interbank exchange uh, market that has since uh, not worked. And I am happy that the players in that sector, including our banks, are coming forward and they are participating and uh, they are working with the central bank so that we can again uh, take charge of our market and that it is not allowed to be distorted by uh, brokers. I'm told the only place where brokers are accepted is at the exchange. (laughs) Anywhere else, they are banned. Uh, And so I just want to assure uh, those uh, in Kenya who uh, were were facing uh, challenges of access to dollars, that we have taken uh, steps to ensure that uh, dollar availability in the next couple of weeks is going to be very different because our fuel companies and uh, will now be paying for fuel in Kenya shillings. They do not have to look for dollars every month uh-huh. because we have uh, done what we must do as government to ensure that we ease the burden on people who want to... Um, uh, uh, realize their returns in dollars and uh, I was being told by the chairman of NSC. So Mr. Chairman you have nothing to worry about. Okay, let me stop it there. So it sounds like he said it's very cryptic. Sound like he said they're going to start paying for fuel in shillings. Another, the old local currency, something like that. But uh, that's something to keep an eye on because honestly if the dollar is the US world's reserve currency and so that's why we can do things like run up trillion dollar debts is because we can just print more because the dollar is the U.S. War, or the world reserve currency. But if other countries look around and decide that 
they can't trust the U.S. government and the U.S. dollar, maybe they want to use a different currency. And if that happens, our dollars will become vastly less valuable, which would have a huge impact on everybody. So that's actually a very, very scary threat. So we'll watch that one soon for the next few weeks. Uh, let's see, what's this one? Man accused of indecent exposure and stealing a sex toy. Hmm. Where is this? This is in... Where's Denton? Denton is in Texas, yeah? Yeah, I think it's in Texas. A 49-year-old... 49 years old, dude. He's been arrested on indecent exposure and theft charges after exposing himself and theft of a sex toy. 4.40 p.m. Officers were dispatched to an indecent exposure call at the Condom Sensation store. A man had allegedly exposed himself to a woman and was undressing inside the store. The man left the scene. They caught up with the dude at a nearby parking lot. Police said they offered the man to opportunity to explain the allegations against him. He denied any wrongdoing. Then officers observed a distinct bulge in the man's pelvic area <coughs> and asked him what was in his pants. The man claimed there was nothing in his pants until he finally pulled out a $188 sex toy? That shit cost that much? Oh, and by the way, this man has a previous incident in which he allegedly ejaculated while looking at items in the store. <laughs> so just looking, just looking at the fucking dildos. Dude fucking sprays the goo all over the place. Come on, man. Come on. A 49-year-old big game hunter has been arrested at the San Francisco International Airport for trying to smuggle eight rare animal carcasses, including a longhorn sheep, through the airport after a $50,000 Pakistan shooting trip. Jason Keith Bruce, he's facing 25 years behind bars after allegedly attempting to transport endangered animal carcasses into the U.S., he was arrested alongside a Pakistani conspirator. After authorities uncovered a wide-ranging animal smuggling scheme. Oh, he was also using forged government documents to transport these corpses, including an endangered Ladakh Ural sheep. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't I I just don't understand the big game hunting. I don't. Imagine, like, yeah, you. I mean, I'm looking at a picture of this guy with this big fucking huge sheep with the horns. Magnificent animal, right? And he's, he's posing beside it, and it's he killed it. And it's like, what, what do you get out? What do you get out of that, dude? Just, just can't you just take a picture of the animal in nature and enjoy the magnificent animal? Get a selfie if you have to. Hopefully, he doesn't charge you, and or hopefully he does, depending on your perspective. I just don't get it. You're not getting any meat out of it. You're just killing the animal and taking it off the earth. And what? You're going to stuff the head and put it on your wall? Like, wow, dude. What an accomplishment. You fucking killed an animal with a rifle and a scope attached to it that you could fucking shoot off a fly's ball sack with at 300 meters. Wow, I'm so fucking impressed. I just don't get it, dude. Uh, the ski resort Vale. You guys ever get up there? They have settled a wrongful death lawsuit. This lawsuit was over a New Jersey investment banker accidentally hanged himself while boarding a chairlift, dude. This happened in February 2020, but the settlement is now. 46-year-old Jason Varnish um, accidentally hanged himself on this faulty chairlift. 
They said the seat of the chair was set upright against the backrest, right? So instead of the seat folding down from to sit on, the chairlift instead caught his jacket and he became tangled in his jacket, lifting him up off his feet as the chair rose into the air. And he was left dangling from the chairlift 10 feet off the ground for more than eight minutes. It tightened around him and constricted his ability to breathe, and that led to his death from asphyxiation. Ay, God, dude. As it, So the seat was pushed up, right? So you're supposed to push it down while you, you know, so you can sit on it. So when he tried to push the seat down, um, his buddy, Steven Skolnick, he fell down. And he yelled at the lift operator to stop the lift. And somehow this guy's fucking jacket caught on it and he just fucking strangled to death. Uh, that's pretty shitty. Okay, quickly. Uh, right here in San Diego, you guys. Uh, politician Nathan, Nathan Fletcher. He thinks he's the next Gavin Newsom. He's a former Marine, by the way. Well, not only he wanted to run for state senate and then for governor and make his way up the ladder, right? And he became very woke here. He used to be a Republican, but then he decided that in California you have to be woke and that's how you get elected. Well, he is resigning now. Not only is he not running, he's quitting his job as county supervisor as he faces a lawsuit from a former Metropolitan Transit System employee accusing him of sexual assault and harassment. Oh, man. You know, and this guy goes after people on Twitter. Talk about just desserts, dude. And he will be resigning. He's he's claiming as a shield that he has PTSD also. So you're not supposed to criticize anybody who says they have PTSD. And, yeah, he had an affair with this transportation employee. And, uh, honestly, guys, I hate to say it. This is... I'm not trying to be mean. But... It, the supervisor, the the chick he had an affair with, is pretty good looking. His uh, spouse, who he cheated on, is uh, not attractive, and it's just sad. So this is uh, the MTS employee, is Gracie Figueroa. She's alleging that Fletcher groped her on two occasions and pursued a sexual relationship with her for months, which led to her abrupt firing on the day Nathan Fletcher announced his state senate candidacy. Yeah, she said that Fletcher began stalking her social media account and then sought to meet her privately on several occasions. And yes, there are many, many text messages. There's a lot of Instagram messages as well. So if you guys want to go read those, they're all very gory and cringe. And meanwhile, speaking of California politics, former Los Angeles City Council member Mark Ridley Thomas has been convicted of multiple federal charges, seven of them. 68 years old, Ridley Thomas was convicted of conspiracy, bribery, honest services, mail fraud, and four counts of honest services, wire fraud. This had to do with him getting his loser son into USC. I know, imagine fucking going to prison for decades because of that, which he probably won't go for decades. He should get at least 10 years, though. And the LA City Council is notoriously corrupt. There's, if you guys look it up, a lot of their former members have gone to jail. But here's an update. Do you remember the ghost gun guy, Kevin DeLeon? Remember the 30 magazine clip? That whole, the guy who botched the Pledge of Allegiance. I've played those clips numerous times. And then he was caught on that hidden recording. Remember the three city council members who were caught on that recording making disparaging remarks about another one's adopted black son and 
Huge scandal out here in Southern California. Uh, Kevin DeLeon is Latino. Well, I said at the time, this is good. he refused to quit. Everybody was screaming at him to quit. He's like, I'm not going to quit. He's like, if my dis, if my constituents want to recall me, they certainly have that right, but I'm not quitting. So guess what? <laughs> the recall against him failed because nobody wanted to get rid of him. I told you. He brings home the bacon. So Ghost Gun fucking De Leon will continue to torture us with his fucking existence. And guys, that's, I, I got to go to the big finish. <laughs> and here we go. Let us go to Colombia. A man who had a large cucumber in his rectum is claiming it, quote, grew inside him, end quote. 40-year-old man went to a hospital with a complaint of feeling excruciating pain and also admitting that he was unable to walk. And this is, I love this. The medical staff performed an x-ray and then they found a large object stuck in his rear end. Again, I love how they never walk in and be like, yeah, yeah, um, it's a little embarrassing, but I stuck a fucking foot-long cucumber up my ass. <laughs> he just, no, they just go in there like, yeah, you know, my, it seemed like I, I just feel a tummy ache. It, it's like, sir, did you want to tell us about the huge vegetable in your anus or no? Even after, they had to get it out by surgery. It was a cucumber. Even after the surgery, the man maintained he had no idea how it ended up in his rectum. He went on to theorize that the cucumber could have grown inside the digestive system of his body. He claimed to eat many cucumbers at home and suggested that the fruit must have developed from a seed. However, it appears the doctors did not really believe him or pay attention to his story and yeah, reportedly, during the, admission, during the admission of the facility, during the x-ray, the man seemed unable to identify the cause behind the pain. Oh, no. Fucking, and there's an x-ray right there. Fantastic stuff. Guys, that's the big... I, I love the excuses. No, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know how that got up there. I fell. I fell on it. I was walking, fell, just went right up my butthole. That's the big finish, guys. That's all I got for you. Fuck. Two and a half hours straight through. No breaks. No editing. The only man on this planet capable of such a feat. That's why you guys tune in every week. And uh, if you do enjoy the podcast and tune in, again, please go to patreon.com. Search for BK Actual and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. It is the first of the month. My favorite part of the month because that's when all you patrons... Uh, Roger up and, and, and I get I get paid so to speak and like I said last week you know it's a lot of work you know not only doing the podcast collecting information answering all of your messages I try to get back to everybody who answers me or messages me and doing the stories and getting word out about stuff and all that so it takes work so if you enjoy the work and you appreciate the work please considering donating just a buck or two a month guys you won't even miss it that's more than that's less than you tip on your cup of coffee so there's no excuse. Patreon.com BK Actual. And of course, follow me on Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual and Instagram at BK Actual. And that's going to do it for me. I'll see you next week. Control my, control my destiny.